What up, everybody? It's your boy, Al Sauce, and welcome back to the Sauce Talk Podcast. Today's guest is one of the bravest souls I've ever crossed paths with. A man whom I have tremendous respect for, whether he knows it or not. A man who possesses a heart so warm and loving that it could heat an entire continent. His involvement within the LGBTQ community is unprecedented as he continues to push and represent the community he's a member of and loves so well. He's hardworking, a wonderful uncle, a fantastic husband, and more importantly, he's my family. Welcome, my cousin Vinny, no pun intended, <laughs> Mosqueta, everybody. Oh, thanks for having me. What's up, baby? Hi. Thank you so much wow, for coming. Wow, what an introduction. Wow. <laughs> I had to do it, man. You know, I haven't seen you in a while, so yeah. it, was, uh, it was due. Congratulations on your new home. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to the good side. Yeah, the good back side. to Jersey. Thank God. How does it feel to be back? It's, it's different. You know, I, um, like I was saying before, I recently moved back to my hometown, which I had mixed feelings about for sure. Um, I bet I'm sure. But having a house is great. Like, but also, you know, a lot of work, but I love that. I, I actually found that I like the mundane things. I like going to the grocery store. I, well, I was gonna say I like mowing the lawn, but Steve does that. I don't. I don't. My husband does that. I don't do that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like taking the garbage out. Like I love these things that I think if you lived here forever, you're like, oh, I gotta take out the garbage tonight. But living in the city, it's just like it's a different thing. Having laundry in my own house, like, is yeah. blows my mind. You know. Yeah. How long you lived in the city for a long? Like fifteen time. years. Yeah. Fifteen. Oh years. my god. Yeah. So and we we both still work in the city and we're going in a couple of days a week still but you know we're hybrid moving. schedule yeah so that was really kind of what set us on this like hey we can we can live in New Jersey because we're not commuting every single day yeah yeah and to have more space to have we we were in a studio for for seven years and during a pandemic paying an astronomical and amount a ton of money. Um, but you know, we were like at home working on Zooms and at the same time in a, in a studio with nowhere yeah, to close, like, no door to close. What's the point of doing that? Yeah. So being back in Jersey is great. Yeah. I'm back, Good back man. to my roots. Yeah. Yeah. You need to be, yeah. I, I, I personally despise New York city. <laughs> I, I was listening to your podcast today and I heard you say that and I was like, what? I, I can't believe it. that. I, I, you know, I'm a train conductor. Yes. I haven't worked into New York Penn station seven, eight years really? by choice. Really? I what, what do you hate about it? It's possibly the most mentally exhausting environment on okay. planet Earth. I, it's just the chaos. You know, I just, I really enjoy the suburb lifestyle. I, I enjoy having space because mm -hmm. my mind is always so busy that when I put myself in a, in a physically busy place, it's like an over, a sensory overload for me. Right. And I can't handle it. I like to go there to visit. I don't like to be in it all day. It's, it's New York is just too chaotic for me. I, I've noticed that like moving back here, it's like in the city, I could walk down one block and see a hundred people, right? I could walk through my entire town and see 20 people. Yeah. And it like is insane. If that. Yeah, if that. And so. I, I like that. I, I like, <laughs> like I told you, my mind's too busy. I like peace. I like tranquility. Yeah. I don't mind being in the chaos for a little bit, but when it's time to go home, right. I want to go home. I don't want to be there. Yeah. I'm just always so tired when I take the train into the city and let's say go to a show 
go get some pizza after, have a couple of drinks. When I get home, I'm fucking exhausted. It's just subconsciously my mind is racing too much. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you did it. But I guess you were built for that. You know, some people enjoy it. Yeah. Also with like my job too, you know, there's a lot of late nights um, doing entertainment marketing and stuff. So I would have to go to a concert. I'd be done at one o'clock in the morning. If I had to commute back to New Jersey after all of those times, I would be like in a straight jacket right now. So to be yeah. able to just like jump in a cab, be home in 15 minutes, jump on the That's subway. True. I didn't think about that. So like for, for my career, it made sense. But now I've gotten to the point where I'd rather pass off those those kind yeah. of things to like the younger people at work and then be able to just go home and be in bed yeah. by 11 o'clock. You did it for so long too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. Just, just a warning to all of our listeners today. Um, this may very well be a tear-jerking episode. <laughs> I have a strong feeling this podcast is going to have a lot of exchange of emotions and uh, you know, I'm just tearing up thinking about it, but it's going to be good, good for the soul. Um, so before I, I get into what I'd really like to discuss with you, I just want to say how proud I am of the man you became, You know, seeing oh. you as a kid, the way you came now, I'm really, really, really proud of Thank you. Thank you. And the same, I mean, I'm not just saying it back, but no, I, I appreciate yeah. it. My mother always loved you very much. I loved her. Always. Yeah. And although we don't, you know, we don't see each other often, but when I do, when I always get to run into you, it's always love. Yeah. Always. So 100%. That's why I'm having you here today. I'm going to find out stuff about you that I never knew, you know? So I'm, I'm pretty excited. I'd like to briefly touch on what uh, you do for a living. Sure. Because if I'm not mistaken, You've been with the Carbo Group for over 18 fucking years? Yeah. yeah. 18 years. So I started in 2005. Um, I actually started working like two days after I graduated at my company. Wow. Yeah. 2005. Yeah, 2005. Crazy. So I actually interned there my junior year for like three quarters of the school year and then took my senior year off to like just, you know, focus on school and dicking around. <laughs> and then they were looking for a position. So I, I started working there two days after I graduated and I've been there ever since, which is, you know, kind of unheard of nowadays for someone to be yeah. at a job for so long. But Especially yeah. in, in a job that takes place in New York City. Usually people uh, jump around and get better positions, do this and that. But you stayed in that same company for that yeah. long. That's That says a lot. Can you explain to the listeners what the Carpel Group is? Sure. So um, the Carpel Group, Carpel, yeah. sorry. sorry. <laughs> Lapel, right now. Like I was Lapel. Like, yeah, uh, like Lapel. Um, so we do LGBTQ outreach for entertainment projects. So we so got cool. hired by movie studios, record labels, TV streamers, TV networks, cable networks, um, sometimes like a book publisher, depending to market specific projects to the LGBTQ community. That's so crazy. Yeah. I never knew that, that yeah. companies like that even existed. Yeah, so there are, there are agencies like ours that are specific to the black community, to the Asian American oh, yeah. community, to the, the Hispanic and Latin community. Wow. And then ours is the LGBTQ focused portion of like one of those specialty agencies. So we do full publicity campaigns, we do marketing campaigns. And, you know, we've been involved in like major, major like releases over the years down to like, you know, independent artists that are releasing their own music and are either a part of the community and want to market to them or sometimes are not a part of the community, but they know that the community may embrace them for whatever, you know, whatever reason it may be. So awesome. they'll come to us and, and we do our work to kind of like reach the community for them. That's all. Yeah. I never knew that companies like that even existed. Yeah. But I started seeing you like, uh, cause we're, we're obviously friends on social media, seeing pictures of you like at the craziest illest movie premieres with like all these A-list actors and stuff like, whoa, this is like insane. Yeah. So I dug in and I, you know, found out about the car, Carpel Carpel group. group yeah. That's pretty cool though. Yeah. So you started out in 2005, if I'm correct, if my uh, research is correct, oh as an account executive, then in 2011, you became marketing director. Mm-hmm. 
2018 landed the position you currently are in, which is the vice president of marketing. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. What was that climb in success like for you, the whole journey? It was interesting. So, I mean, growing up, I, I always had aspirations to work in entertainment, right? It was always this, like, I love music. I love film and TV. And like, that's kind of like where my interests were, but I never thought, you know, growing up in a small town in Bergen County that I'm going to ever like work in that industry. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, luckily actually my connection to the company is through my husband, his uncle's friend, uh, roommate from college is my boss. No so, shit. Yeah. So in college, like one day I'm hanging out, um, wow. we can get into, this, we'll get into this later, I'm sure. But my husband and I have been together for a long time. So in college where, um, you know, just like hanging out one day, he's on the phone with his uncle and uh, he knew that I was in like public relations at the time at school and kind of like Steve turned to me and said like, Hey, do you want an internship? And I was like, sure. And then Steve is, and so his uncle was like, okay, cool. Like I'll set him up with one next week with uh, you know, my, my college roommate. And so that's kind of like, I kind of like fell into it in a way, oh, wow. um, which was great. So when I first started, I was like literally the office assistant. Like I was emptying garbage cans and you know, doing like office work, just kind of like helping everyone that was in the office. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it just slowly, you know, I kind of like, I like to think I'm a hard worker and just kind of put my head down and did what I needed to do and was like a good, a good worker. And, and over the years, like got more and more responsibility, kind of helped to carve out certain parts of our company that hadn't existed before. Um, we're a very small team. There's only about six of us on staff. Oh, that's it. That's it. So oh, no we're shit. only, we're based out of New York, but we do work all over the entire country. So it's the kind of it's the kind of job where you make it what you want it to be. You know, I could have just sat back and just been like, I'm cool with just doing these like, you know, office assistant type things. But I wanted to to kind of have have a future there. So I was looking for ways to kind of expand certain parts of our company. So I helped to bring in a lot of like promotions we were doing digitally that we had never done before. So I think over time, like I just grew the role beyond what it was. And then they kind of like created a new position for me. And then as people left, I just was able to kind of like keep climbing wow. the different rungs there. So then my most recent like kind of position is the VP of marketing. So there's a VP of publicity, I'm the VP of marketing. We each have people underneath us. Wow. Um, yeah, it's been. God bless you, man. Yeah. It's incredible. The cool thing about it too is it being an agency. Our um, our clients change all the time, so it's about a two month window for every campaign. So oh. as a film comes out, it's like off of our plate, and then like there's another one right behind it. So it's like you're you know, constantly busy. It's constantly busy. It's constantly changing. So even if there's a project that I'm like, Ugh, I don't really like this movie. I yeah, yeah. didn't like. I didn't connect with me. I know in two months it's gonna be done and then the next awesome. project will come in behind it. So it's always exciting. And then I get to work on things that I do love. Yeah. And then you really have that passion. Be like I've. Uh, like my number one pop star, my number one music artist, Britney Spears. We I, all know this. Okay, I'm a gay man. This is what you do. Um, I have questions about that. Okay, later. okay, later. But I have I have worked on multiple Britney Spears albums. Like that to That's me crazy. is insane, right? Have you I, met her personally? I I am afraid to meet her. Yeah, because you'll break down. I will break down, <laughs> and it's one of those like you know you don't want to kind of like meet your heroes kind of things. But I have danced with her. So fun, quick side tangent stories. I went to the uh, circus album release party because I worked on the album and we're at the, it was called 10 June was the name of the club that she had her after party at, like her release party. Okay. So my boss and I were there and like, this is the kind of thing, you know, she's in the VIP room. You're, we're not getting anywhere near her. Yeah, of course. And we are camped out outside that VIP room. Like I am going to meet her. This is my night. Like it's going <laughs> to happen. Right. So I am like not <laughs> moving from this position. 
But it got to the point where we're like, you know what, this is not going to happen. So we gave up. We went to the dance floor. We're dancing on the dance floor, like with her dancers. Her dancers are there. Like I know them from being an obsessive fan. And, you know, it's kind of cool. That's cool enough for me. And as I'm standing there, I feel somebody push me. And I turn around to be like, what the fuck? And it's this giant bodyguard with like a hand across my chest pushing me out of the way. And I'm thinking, like, wow. oh God, what's wrong? But next to him is Britney Spears. Now she's 5'4. Now you imagine like a 6'4 black, huge black guy. She's like a midget. Little tiny, little tiny woman next yeah. to him. So it's because she wants her to dance. So she got out of the VIP, she goes in the dance floor. So he's just holding the like, you know, the muggles back, the, the regular people, as her and her dancers now are dancing in the middle of the room. But now it's her, a, a guy's arm, and then me. And she turned around while she was dancing and elbowed me. And then she turned around to, and she, she put her hand on, on my arm and said, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. And then went right back to dancing. So I head blew off my body, <laughs> died on the spot, have been resurrected. I'm sitting here today. But yeah, that was the closest I've ever been to her. Had a cool moment, like, you know, life over. The, yeah, right, you know amazing. What? Since I'm just going to say it now, okay. I'm going to ask. Okay. What is it with... Gay men and Britney Spears. What is it? Because I have another gay friend. His name is Nate. <clears throat> I met him online because of fragrances, because I'm a big fragrance guy. And he actually uh, deals in selling vintage fragrances. So we became cool online and we talk all the time. He's a sweetheart. I love, shout out to uh, Guardi. I think his, uh, I forget what his handle is, but it's Guardian of the Fragrances. Oh. <clears throat> Something like that. But that's, that's hey, my Nate. guy. And he always, always <laughs> posts Britney Spears memes, just like you do. See? So I'm always sending him yours. <laughs> like, look at this, and he's always dying laughing. What is it? With, what is the obsession with Britney Spears? Well, it's funny. I think most gay men, and I, okay, so when I'm talking about gay people tonight, it's like my own personal experience and my own personal, I guess, like ob observations, right? I can't yeah. speak for everybody. That's the caveat asterisk on, on our conversation. But for what I find is that most gay men have their own pop star, right? It could be Madonna for someone. It could be yeah. Cher for someone else. Britney is is that is person a huge for, a, one. for a lot of people. And I think it it comes from the kind of her juxtaposition of being this like kind of normal uh, seeming like Southern girl who then can turn it on and be like super sexy and is like dancing her ass off, okay. looks amazing, but then still has that like kind of warm sense about her, right? I think over the years, so when Britney first came out, that was like 1998, right? I was- I'll never in, forget the schoolgirl outfit yeah, the whole night. Yeah. I was in eighth grade, maybe like going into freshman year of high school at that yeah, point, Yeah, I was right? fifth grade, yeah. So Sixth that's like, you know, I'm a young, I'm, uh, that's like a formative time for me. And then you kind of like grow alongside this person. She's, I think, a year and a half, two years older than me. Her birthday's December 2nd, it's coming up. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, you, you, you feel like you, you kind of are friends with this person. You know them, yeah. but you don't. Um, so to see the kind of all the shit she's been through, you feel like you're with that person. Like you are along their journey of you know, defending them. I mean, it comes down to like that Chris Crocker, like leave Britney alone. But all yeah. the gay men who are her fans, like we felt that way, like leave her alone. And now I think she's having this moment where people know the backstory of what happened to her, the, what she's been through. And I think it, it's kind of like turning a lot of people. A lot of people are seeing what we saw the, the whole time. And I think that's why now her fan really? base, yeah, I think now that this book is out and like people are understanding all the things that she went through, like a real, a real fan, like myself, a quote unquote yeah, real yeah. fan. We knew that the whole time, like everything that was in the book, minus maybe the abortion, we knew this whole time. So to have people finally get it, 
you're kind of like, oh, okay, finally, like you understand kind of what's behind her. But I think that that's part of it. And then also just like this, the fun music, the sheer talent of like her getting on stage and like turning it out when she was like at the height okay. of her game, like at the VMAs, like that's insane. It's the same way. Like I, you know, I see other people who are really into like a certain rapper or hip hop artist, and I, I don't get it. But I'm like, I can you understand see, why they, yeah. Because knowing how I am with Britney, I can see why someone could like connect with another artist in that same way. It so may I, not be, I usually can yeah. too, except for her. Okay, I don't understand it anymore. I did. You got it. Oh, you got it. The, the thing. knife thing, dude. The <laughs> way she's been the past five years. Coming from a fan, you don't think she's batshit crazy? Okay, I think she has this sense of um, she's out of her fucking mind. Well, I mean, maybe a little bit, but like, it's also a little of like childlike, like it's a little innocent. Yeah, she's fucked up. Yeah, I think I think honestly, like the medication over the years definitely fucked she's her up. Fucked up, dude. I think the fact that if you think about it, she started in the Mickey Mouse Club when she was maybe like twelve. Yeah, with Jay Timberlake. Yeah, so go. Mm, mm, no, we go. We're not fr- we're not fans of him anymore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> He's but anyway, so good though. I'm sorry. Um, but you know, like since that young age, she has been in the spotlight, has no privacy, all these things that has to wear down on you. So yeah. the fact that she can't go anywhere or be herself except for in her living room when she's dancing around like in these crazy outfits. I, did, I, want, I need someone to help with her, make, her eye makeup. Her eye makeup is really- But this is what I'm saying. To me, she's <laughs> so batshit crazy down to the bone bristle, down to the makeup she puts on her face. It's it not just, great. It, uh, a lot of people are having memes saying, like, I understand what her dad was trying to do now. No, no, I no. I know no. that sounds bad. <laughs> I'm not trying to offend you. No, no, no. I, I, uh, I never I, read her book, so I can't. It really, I mean. She had a rough life, for it sure. It does. And, and it goes into how she was really held back, how she was medicated, how she was kind of like threatened for a long time. If you don't do horrible, this, yeah, you won't horrible. be able to see your kids. Horrible. You know, things like that. Like one quick That's example is like the, the day that she shaved off her head, right? She was just told she can't see her kids for like multiple times. She just got out of rehab that she was forced into. And it was her way of being like, this is one thing that I can control. And if you're, if you're able to capitalize on me because I have long, pretty hair and I'm sexy, I'm going to take that power away and shave my head off. And then what are you going to, like, no one's going to want to see me look okay. all sexy with a, you know, so there's, I get it. Okay. There's a reasoning behind it all. But um, I think part of it now too is we feel, um, we want to defend her, right? So, like, you see the way that she's now, and, of course, and yeah. It's a sense of like you know where she where she was at that kind of height of her game, and now you want to you you feel bad for her in a sense, but you also want to you want her to be happy and safe. So, I think that's part of like the newer the newer Britney fandom is that sense it. of like, fuck. I think like, I've told Nicole, my sister, I'm like. I want I want to redo my basement and Brittany can just live down there. I'll take care of her. I'll make sure she's safe. You're a super fan. Yeah. Uh, she can spin around as much as she wants to. I'll get her new knives. She can yeah, play yeah, with yeah. like, you know, as whatever she wants yeah, to. Yeah. Like, yeah. So she's had a rough life. Yeah. yeah, rough life. I never read the book, so I, I can't speak on anything. Um, but anybody that comes from that childhood fame, the ch- the, the chances of them coming out like perfectly fine on the other yeah. side are slim to none. Yeah. So it shows, uh-huh. I mean, in, in the way she's acting. I'm just seeing these videos and it's pretty, <laughs> well, I think pretty that's pretty crazy. That's one of the things too, is with, with social media now, you know, those instances are on display. Forever. Where in the past, you know, if a, if a, 
a celebrity kind of like went off, had issues or whatever, you didn't see it. You know, it yeah, happened behind didn't. closed doors. Now with the internet, it's you're seeing her with yeah. fake knives thrown around with, yeah, wild. you know, raccoon eyes. And yeah. it's for everyone to see. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird. I think she needs to take a break off social media like Kanye West took a break. Yeah. Really. The yeah. one thing is, do you, do you know she has a nickname for uh, when she shaved her head? No, what is it? Brittany Shears. Oh, see, that makes sense. Now, this is why um, I collect toys, as you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy, I believe his uh, name is David. Shout out, David. Um, he runs this brand called Spectre Studios. Okay. And he basically uh, makes his own toys. He sculpts them, casts them in resin, hand paints them, and sells like one-offs. But he was really big into serial killer figures. I actually have his entire collection, which I feel guilty. I feel guilty owning it but I'm just a sick fuck. But um, one of them he did was, uh, he did a one-off and it was a Britney Shears figure and it's got her head shaved and everything and there's only one out there. Wow. And I've been hunting for years to find the person that owns it so I can have it <laughs> and I haven't found it yet. But I will try, maybe this is putting into the universe. Yeah, yeah. I will find Britney Shears, but he only made one. Wow. I've talked to him and he only made one. Oh yeah, whatever. Anyway, I just wanted to know about Britney Spears because yeah. a lot of gays, like I said, shout out to Nate. My my guy loves Britney just as much as you do. I just wanted to hear from you why. Yeah, I think that's Britney. really- especially, A lot of gays love Britney. I think the other thing of it too is that there are certain artists, right, who are kind of known, they're like the number one in their time period. Of course. Or like Madonna, you know, was is like the queen of pop. Britney is the princess of pop. So in that era of like that- Late '90s, early 2000s pop craze. You know, it was like Britney number one. I'm sorry to Christina and see, I was going to say I'm a Christina fan. See, she she can definitely sing, but she's she didn't, way better. She than didn't Britney. have the singing wise stage pre- Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm the first person Talent to agree with wise, you. Rather, well, we'll disagree to <laughs> there, but um, you know, she she's not on stage dancing. She's not. Yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah. have that same. I understand. So I think you know, Britney is that person. So when it when when you have those certain people that are that like number one in that genre or that time period, they stick with you and you will like, yeah, you will be a fan of number one fan of that person. Of forever. course. I can't imagine not being like, there's, there's like a funny saying. It's like, if, if there's uh God, I'm going to fuck it up. But it's like, if there's uh, a thousand fans of this person, I am one of them. If uh, there's yeah, yeah. one fan of that person, it's me. If there's no fans of that person, I'm no longer on this earth. That's who I am with Britney. If she never has a fan again, it's because I've passed away. That's it, yeah. She's, that's, it. that's why I don't want to meet her. Because God forbid I ever meet her and she's like a bitch or something. And she sucks. It would, it I would admire your passion. Me. I admire yeah. your passion. But that is true about that. Yeah. Meeting somebody that, you know, I'm not going to go into it, but I have a similar situation. I met like, I was probably a fucking cornball. Mm. You're like, I looked up to you for so many years. I meet you, you suck. It's and in my good. job too, I I won't say names, but I've been around celebrities who are assholes. Of course. And of I've course. been around celebrities who are the nicest people you would ever imagine. I'll tell you one person that's very nice, Kelly Clarkson. She seems like it. She how she is on TV is she how seems she is. Like it. The most genuine, nicest, would take the shirt off of her back if you were cold, kind of like person. Like, oh, that's great. You know, and that's how she comes across, and that is like true to who she is. She so, seems like that. Fuck her ex-husband. <laughs> Um, but she's amazing. Yeah. You know who I met that um I was blown away by? Now, I don't really get starstruck too much. Um, but there was one person that I met that I looked up to for many years. And they were just an absolute saint. Ralph Lauren. Oh, really? Dude, when I met him, he's just, he is that gentle old Jewish man, Ralph Lifshitz, that you could imagine. He's a sweetheart. He was gentle. Wow. It was, I was starstruck. I never got starstruck. But when I met him at the polo bar... It was it was it was another uh, 
took me to another place. Wow. It was really cool. But he's a sweetheart. Ralph Lauren is just unbelievable. It's Lauren, not Loren. That is the okay, biggest good. pet peeve I have. Really? It's I Lauren. would think it's Loren. It's Lauren. All right. I'll- Ralph Lauren. That's it. American name. It's not French. Yeah. Ralph, but his real name is Lifshitz. Oh. Ralph Lifshitz. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> can you tell me about the anti-violence project and your involvement with it? You were on the Friends of AVP board, yeah. right? The FAB, yeah. if yeah. you will. The FAB board, if you will. Fab. Yeah. So anti-violence project is an organization that's based in New York, but they do national work and it's to help people who are victims of any kind of violence towards the LGBTQ community. So it could be be domestic violence, it could be a hate crime. So they're there if there's ever an instance to kind of um, help them with any resources they need to get through it. Or if if it's someone who um, is experiencing any difficulties, they're there with different resources for like homelessness. Um, so I did work with the Friends of AVP board, which is kind of like a junior board, if you will. Okay. So like a normal board of directors, you sometimes have to pay to be on it. You're a little uh-huh. bit older, you have all the, you know. So when I joined the FAB board, uh, the fab board, it was more of a way for people who were younger, like kind of juniors, to yeah, yeah. still be able to get involved, still be able to use our resources to help this organization like thrive and get better. So I used my like work connections to get donations for auctions and silent auctions and events awesome. and performers for their fundraisers and that kind of stuff. So oh, that's sick. Yeah, it's definitely an organization that's also smaller. So, you know, everyone knows GLAD, everyone knows HRC, everyone knows the Trevor Project. They have a lot of funding coming in, they have a lot of volunteers. But these smaller organizations that are out there actually doing a lot of work in the community on the ground don't have as many resources. So when I was looking for a place to kind of get involved in, I looked for a place that like could really use like where my efforts would go a long way. You know, where I wasn't one of yeah, thousands yeah. of volunteers helping. I uh, was, you know, the fab board, I think was maybe 15 people oh, at, sick. Its, at its highest. So yeah. You've been doing it for a while. I didn't backtrack um, yeah. to how long you've been doing it for. So how long has it been? But I keep seeing like multiple years. You've yeah, been- it was it was a long time. I haven't done it very much recently. They had some changing of like their leadership internally in their staffing. And so they kind of like took it in a different direction, but I did it for probably like seven or eight years Wow, straight. Yeah. So, but I also did some stuff with GMHC, which used to be the gay men's health crisis. Um, then they just go by the acronym GMHC now. So I helped them a lot with the same kind of things, like helping them with their events and their fundraising. Um, but really, I mean, with my job, you know, in marketing to the LGBTQ community, one of the things that I oversee at work is our organization partnerships. So it's connecting films and artists and celebrities with organizations. So it could be having them perform at an event or, you know, if there's a fundraiser or a big gala, maybe they're being honored or they're uh, even, even like uh, announcing who is being honored. So I've tried through my job to not only market our projects to the community, but find ways to help the community with our projects. So wow. I'm there to do kill kind two of birds with one stone. Yeah, yeah. And I always say, like, obviously, I'm a marketer. My job is to get people to buy an album, to buy a movie ticket. But at the same time, like, because of our our agency and what we do, I'm also there to help the community in, in ways. You know, yeah, so yeah. when I have those opportunities to do that, I will go out of my way to make sure that there's like kind of a give back component to our projects. Oh, that's awesome! What what actually goes into what you do into into let, let's say you're you're promoting a movie, for instance, mm-hmm. right? Did you do Barbie? We didn't do. Barbie. We didn't. No. What was the last movie you did? 
Uh, oh God, we have so many. We have a couple right now, but like we worked on Scream Six this year. Oh, okay. So what actually goes into what you do behind the scenes? If you could like, I know there's probably so much of it that it's tough to put in a nutshell, mm-hmm. but like what actually goes into uh, marketing a film to the community that you reach out to? What goes into that? So it depends, right? So for a movie like Scream, there's not, well, in, in the newer Screams, actually, there are uh, LGBTQ characters, which is great. So we have characters or actors that are parts of the community that we can use as uh, kind of like a connection, right? Like yeah, a hook. yeah. Um, but really it's finding what that connection is. It could be an actor, it could be a character, it could be a director, it could just be the story. Like even even projects that have no LGBTQ element to it, there's still interest, right? Like I'm not going home and only watching gay things. I'm going home and watching superhero movies. Everything, yeah. So it's finding a kind of connective tissue to what we're working with uh-huh. in the community. So for example, if we were to work on, let's say, a f- upcoming Marvel movie, right? There are organizations out there, there are groups out there that are for the gay community, but in that specific kind of genre or fandom. So- there's an amazing organization out there called Geeks Out, and it's for LGBTQ plus geeks. So that's okay. what they like. They like uh, superhero stuff, um, horror movies, comic books, and the people that are parts of that organization love those topics. So when we have a project that fits in with them, I'll go to them straight away. You know, like so they're my connective tissue. So for everything that we work on, it's always figuring out like why does the why would the community care about this. And then finding a way to like make that connection. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And sometimes we do campaigns where you know they're huge and we're doing publicity and all these marketing elements. There could be campaigns where we're doing one thing. But to be like yeah, a part of it again, like knowing that's where my like passions are, that's where my interest is, it's really like blows my mind still to this day, yeah. twenty, you know, years later at the company to know like, hey, I'm I'm working on a screen movie. Like that's that's crazy. Cool. It's fucking cool. I didn't see that no one either. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I, it? I was I was nervous about like it being in New York City. You know, it's kind of like Jason goes to Mars, whatever that one is. Yeah. Like, you know, I was like, oh shit. But uh, I thought they did a really good job with like taking it out of you know the the words usually set yeah, yeah. and having it um, be like an insane. But it's great. My ba- my movie backlog because I love movies, especially specifically horror. My backlog is so large. Ever since we had our son. It's like, I just do, by the end of the night, we're so tired. We just want to sit and decompress and not have to, because you watch a movie, you have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. We'll put on like the great British baking show. Yeah. That's like our favorite shit. And like, we make fun of the people like uh, that are baking. What's up with her fucking makeup? Like (laughs) that dude looks crazy. Um, But overall, it must be rewarding uh, working in a field revolving around a community you care so much about. Um, Does it feel like this is something you were put on this earth for? You feel like this is your purpose in life? I I do think that I I meant to work in some kind of job that has something to do with the community, right? So the fact that I found a, a company that kind of merges entertainment with the community is yeah. insane. Um, but if I think if I wasn't work, if I didn't wind up in this position or in this company, I think I would be working for a nonprofit that deals with the community because, like, I think my passion for representation and making sure that there are services for the people in the community in whatever way that is, I think is kind of supersedes my um, interest in entertainment. So if I wasn't working in entertainment, I think I would be working in something to do with the LGBTQ community. Oh, well, that's good. That's yeah. beautiful, man. Yeah. Well, you deserve, you deserve all the success you have and I'm, I'm very Thanks. proud of you.
Oh, thank Definitely, you. Definitely, yeah. I like seeing people do things that they love that they're passionate about. Yeah. I love witnessing that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's just, it, 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 it grinds my gears in a, in a positive way. <laughs> I love seeing that stuff. So <clears throat> I want to rewind your timeline okay. quite a bit. Okay. I really want to get to know you. Okay. Because, you know, I want to get to the core of Vinny. Because right. I've known you for practically almost my whole life. But oddly enough, yeah, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. But oddly enough, I never got to actually know you. To the listeners listening, um, the reason for that is is we're distant cousins. You, we have the same last name, but there's one letter missing. Yeah. So I'm Moschetti and he's Moschetta. And that I believe you have the original the actual oh, proper really? last oh, name. I thought you did. No, I think that mine with the I at the end is the improper one. It was an Ellis Island mix-up, yeah, I believe. Yeah. There's like a whole backstory on it, which I'm not really well-versed on. Um, but we'd always, you know, every time we'd come together at Nona's house for or, or Barbara's house here, which is which we're here now, which is crazy, yeah. for uh, family gatherings. And, you know, that was as far as it went. We never actually had each other's numbers. We never actually... Uh, you know, kept close contact. So tonight, not only is it's almost a therapeutic session as well as uh, a getting to know session. So I'm actually going to get to know you, and I'm pretty pretty excited of that. So that's what I want to do. I want to get to the core of of Vinny, and I want to lead up to what I've been wanting to discuss with you this whole time. <clears throat> so, um, you were a little older than me, mm-hmm. And but when we were kids, we always had a blast. We'd always congregate over at a Nona's house, which is actually down the street from the very location we're at now. Yep. Very fond memories there. Do you remember remember that? You know what's crazy is when we were kids in her backyard, she had that little grass hill. It was the smallest hill. But as a child, it seemed so big. We used to jump from the top of it to the bottom. Yeah. When I see it now, it's like it's not even a step. It's like so, so tiny. Isn't it so weird? Like the perception when you're a child of when you're an adult, things seem so much, so much more grandiose when yeah. you're a kid and then you're an adult. It's like so small. I felt like we were like rock climbing as kids. It's literally a, a, a one and a half foot step up. Yeah. But literally. As, as kids, I was like, oh shit. Like, yeah. we got, where's our carabiners? Like, we need, you know, this is insane. I know. Like, I feel no. crazy with her garden on the fence. Yeah. A foot and a half. I actually drove past tonight because like I can't. I feel like I couldn't come here without driving past our house, you know? So I, I did the loop around that side instead of just coming up by the park. But yeah. I, you know what's crazy? When I, when I pull in here every night, that's what I do every yeah. night. Every night I go by her house. Yeah. I will not go that way. Yeah. yeah. It's also more convenient from the garage and the barn, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, what was your childhood like and where did you grow up? You grew up in Dumont, correct? Yep. I grew up in Dumont in Bergen County. Um, and my parents have been divorced since I was in second grade. Um, so I am related to Al on my dad's side. Um, so my parents split up when I was in second grade. I have a younger sister. And so growing up, you know, was, I'm assuming, very similar to yours, where like I live with my mom most of the time. Yeah. I see my dad on weekends, every, weekends like a random Wednesday. Um, I think there was one summer my mom was like, get the fuck out of my house. You're living with your dad. <laughs> like I stayed in Nona's house with my yeah. sister. Um, but for the most part, it was like primarily with my mom. Um, you know, we lived in an apartment in Dumont. Same. Yeah. So it was kind of, it was, it was great. I mean, looking back on it, of course there's like ups and downs and all that stuff, but like, I think I had a pretty great childhood. Um, I think the one thing that was interesting was, you know, 
with having divorced parents, you have that constant struggle of like you're, yeah, of course, you're at home and you're comfortable at, at like where your stuff is, and then like the the weekend comes and you got to get up and like you know come stay with your yeah. dad or whatever, and you can't see your friends, and so that was that was tough um, being a little kid and dealing with that. Um, but like you know, looking back now, I know my parents could not have stayed together, so it's kind of like it was what it was, and everyone did the best that they could, and yeah, it all worked out. But um, you know. I, the town I grew up in, Dumont, is it's a very small town. It's one point eight square miles. Like there's, I think I counted the other night, I think five traffic lights in the entire town. Like you could, it's that small. It's I didn't that realize small. that. Yeah, you could you could drive for fifteen minutes and go through like five different towns. Wow, where that where it is in Bergen County, it's so so tiny. But at the same time, like it, growing up, it was kind of like the safe kind of. No one locks their doors. You yeah. know, we have like I graduated with a hundred and. 67 kids like it was you know it's small wow. kind of community yeah. um which i looking back like i think that was part of what i loved so much about it like everyone kind of knew everyone's business yes but it was also like a nice community to grow up in yeah yeah at the same time um it was not the most inclusive or accepting place as a young gay kid uh. Okay. Um, you know, I got made fun of a lot in school. I was going to ask you about yeah. that actually. Wow. Yeah. A lot of like picking up on me, but, uh, it, it was the kind of thing where I deflected a lot of it. So this is horrible, but there was another like gay, obviously gay kid besides myself, um, growing up. So whenever everyone's like, ah, oh, Vinny's like, Vinny's gay. I would be like, not me. What about like X, Y, what about him? Like, what about like Joe? Let's call him Joe. And oh, I pulled out my thing. No, you're good. Don't worry about it. You're good. Um, so, so I constantly was diverting attention towards this other poor kid, which is looking back, I'm like, that's horrible. Like I You're just putting it on. Him. I know I couldn't take the heat. So I totally put it off on him and I feel hard. I still, I honestly think about it all the time, but it was not a very inclusive place. Um, but it's interesting enough. I recently moved back there. Um, and now the town has a pride flag in front of the high school. Wow. They raise a pride flag for June. So it's still a conservative town. Um, but to know that there's been those acceptances and those, those kind of like, uh, steps in the right direction made me feel comfortable coming back there. Oh, that's interesting. That's good though. That's a good thing. What was it like to grow up with a sibling? I'm an only child, so I never... I never, uh, you know, got to experience what that felt like. What was that like for you growing up with another sibling? So my sister is four years younger than me. So we never were in like uh, high school together. I was graduating, she was starting. But like growing up, it was great to have kind of like a built-in buddy, especially being in, uh, you know, a divorced household. I had somebody that could like understand where I was coming from and my like apprehensions to things. You always felt like you had someone on your side, which was nice. I'm sorry right. you didn't have that no, um, in your fine. situation. Um, and I think that we definitely had a period of time where we weren't as close, but now we're super, super close. So I consider my sister to be one of my best friends. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah and like, shout she, out Nicole. She's amazing. Um, she's a fantastic mother, great wife, great sister. Um, and I think to see how far she's come and all the things she's accomplished and her, how amazing she is with her kids, like it's a, it's great. And now living in New Jersey again, I'm, you know, five minutes away from her. So to see her more often, to see my niece and nephew more often, it's, it's great. And 
it's it's interesting to see how our relationship has changed more as adults than yeah, yeah. you know than when you're kids because you yeah, know like your kids and, yeah you're gonna pick on each other you're gonna fight all that stuff and I've always loved her but now I consider her to be like my friend in addition to my sister yeah it's yeah. interesting yeah because you like like you mentioned before you grew up in a broken home as well mm-hmm. do you think that growing up in a broken home ever affected your decision making in life. I think so, especially with my consciously. Yeah, and I think with my relationship, especially. Yeah. Um, you know, I I actually picked up on a lot of things that my dad did when I was younger. Like I would see him do sweet things for my mom and for like my stepmom and stuff. And I think that I've definitely kind of like taken on to my own persona. Okay. Um, but I've also kind of been more apprehensive about certain things. I every time that like I get in a fight with anybody, with Steve or anybody else, my first reaction is like, oh my God, is this like the start of the end? Like, because at some point, you know, it's with, paranoia sets yeah, in. Yeah. And it's in the it's always in the back it's, of my it's mind. Childhood traumas. Yeah. It's common. Yeah. And I think it's it's definitely has changed that kind of stuff where I'm I have that in the back of my head where maybe somebody whose parents are still yeah. together, like Steve's parents have been together forever. Their anniversary was actually this last week. And um, like maybe he doesn't think of that. Like he doesn't yeah. think like, oh, a fight could be the fight that's like the the start of yeah. the, like the dissolution of a relationship or something. Uh, Not I that I think that important. would happen for us, but like I still, it's I can't like shake the feeling that it's in the back of my mind. You know? Yeah, I think it's very important. Um, it's a common theme if you if you listen to all my podcasts. I always ask the guests to go back, and I always ask, "How was your childhood?" Because that truly is what defines you yeah. to an extent, to a large extent, not to the total extent, to a large extent. You know, that's that's what the, the growing stages of your life is when you're a kid, that's when you're a sponge. So like all those things that happen, the traumas and stuff, mm-hmm. that dictates how you're going to handle things later on. It does not mean you can't change anything, but it's going to dictate the initial reaction to certain situations. So that's why I ask because, you know, childhood trauma is a real thing and it, it'll, it'll really... Uh, you know, it's an important piece of your timeline. That's the foundation of you. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you can't fix the foundation, but it's the foundation. Yeah, it's important, so, I think, to see things and then decide if that if you want to change that, right? Yes. So you grew up seeing certain things, and then you're like, I don't want to be like that. Yeah. Um, or I do want to be like that. There's certain things. There's good things you pick up on, and you keep those things. And then there's yeah. things you have to recognize and like get rid of them. It's important to to yeah. to pay attention to mm-hmm. it. Doesn't mean you have to act on everything, but it's important to know and be yeah. aware for sure. Um, you know, because it could be hard growing up in growing up in a broken home. I did as well. Uh, my parents split up when for for good when I was in first first grade. So you know, growing up in a broken home, it can be hard. But you know, I, I truly think everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. So I never like uh, was resentful about it. I thought it was meant to be. You know, like you know, whatever happened happened, and it was it. Do you think? Um, that you and your sister got closer because of it? Because I can't explain that because I don't have a sibling. Do you think that your parents splitting up for good, do you think that that brought you guys closer as siblings? I think when we were kids, it definitely, like especially younger kids, it definitely did. Like we would sleep over in each other's rooms a lot, especially if we were going over to my dad's house because you know he usually lived in an apartment. So we would yeah. usually sleep um, either like on couches or like in like little cot type situations. So we would have like a again like a built-in buddy like you know you because yeah. I can imagine if you're if you don't have that like in your situation like it's a little scary 
you're alone. Yeah. You're alone. You're, you know, you, when you're at home, like when I was with my mom, that's like where my stuff was. That's where I was super comfortable. Yeah. And it always took a little bit of time when I was with my dad to kind of like get readjusted. Right. Cause you, it's not where everything is. You feel like you're packing your bag and you're leaving and you know, you get a little homesick sometimes. Um, so to have Nicole there, I think definitely helped to kind of like ease both of our kind of like anxieties about like being in a, on, yeah, yeah. You know, a space you're not used to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But of course, yeah. we always had fun with my dad. Like once you got over it, like it was always a good time, and he, you know, he did a great job taking care of us. But it was always that kind of like, oh, now I'm like, you know, leaving my home and going to my second home, kind of a thing. So yeah, it could could be kind of awkward. I yeah. just wanted to know what it was like from yeah. your perspective because you have a sibling, so. That, 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 like I said, that bond I can't relate to because mm-hmm. I don't have that. You know, it was always me and my own. Uh, my mom was my sister, yeah. you know, <laughs> so it was kind of strange. But anyway, growing up in the 1990s was a special time. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful time. And, and, you know, for most of us, it was the best time ever. It's my favorite era of all, all, across all genres of music, everything. But for you, uh, we kind of touched on it earlier, but I would imagine it had its moments where it was extraordinarily uh, difficult, you know? So I'd love to hear from your perspective on what it was like for you in your homosexual point of view, as I've never had a discussion like this one with anybody. Um, so I'm pretty intrigued and interested on, on you know, your standing on things. And a lot of these questions that I'm going to be asking you tonight um, you know, come from a place of pure interest and it's just me seeking out uh, another intelligent perspective on things. You know, I want, I want to have the insight from your, right. your, uh, you know, your point of view, you know, especially a man who's been going through the transition from the nineties up until the present day where things are, you know, much more widely accepted. Yeah. It's like almost night and day yeah. from like when we were growing up as kids, you know, I love you and I'm genuinely curious and this is not exploitation. And like I told you earlier <laughs> yeah. in any way. So I, I'd like to preface with the question, when did you come to the realization that your sexual interests didn't align with what was uh, quote unquote, the industry standard, if you will, <laughs> you know, when did you realize that you were, you were gay? I think honestly, I was probably around like seven or eight. And it's like, oh, that, wow. Really? Yeah. So it's, Yo. I mean, not that I knew what, that I was gay, but I knew that I didn't like the things that I that, was supposed that most to. Most kids that yeah. were like you. Right. So, your age. you know, you're, you know, it's kind of like I, you know, you watch a, a TV show and you see like a guy falling, falling over a girl or vice versa. And I remember like not having that feeling towards girls, but having that feeling towards guys. So let's say, for example, I'm seven years old and I'm watching Stay by the Bell. Like I knew that I was supposed to be like all about Kelly Kapowski, but I was really all about Zach Morris. Like deep down, I just felt like that's where my attention was drawn. Okay. And I think at first I mistook it. Um, again, like not knowing what gay was that young. I thought like, the, I want to be like that person. That person is my like idol. I want to be like Zach Morris one day, you know, using him as an example. And it wasn't until a couple of years later that I was like, oh no, it's because I'm like attracted to that person. Oh, it's not because I want to be him. It's because like I want to be. So it started with him. <laughs> as an initial thought that you thought you you looked up to them as an idol. You wanted to be them, but it wasn't that. It was yeah, that you, you found them attractive. Exactly. That's and it wasn't until later that I was like, oh, it, that's kind of where that comes from. And again, like when you're that young, maybe nowadays it's a little more um, like education based of knowing what gay is, knowing. 
those things. Although I have to say, like my niece, uh, she's seven, and we were the other day like talking about something, and I just mentioned gay, and she's like, "What's gay?" And I was like, "Oh, like Uncle Steve and I, like we're married, we're both two boys." And she was like, "Okay, like doesn't this interesting? Sure, like that's okay. fine, you know." Where I think we didn't, I didn't have that when I was younger. Like I didn't have role models, I didn't have people that I could look up to that were gay. I yeah. mean, growing up like at that in the early nineties, or I, I was born in eighty three. So like when I'm you know seven years old, that's like nineteen ninety, right? So watching TV, who are the gay people on TV in the nineties? There is none. There is none. Or it's like the person that's the joke friend on a sitcom, or it's someone on a drama that's like dying of HIV. Those are like the the people that I had that I could know were like like me, you know. Especially like when I was younger, I remember my mom loved George Michael. Was one of oh, the, dude, he was the know, best. Madonna, Cher, George Michael. Were oh, like George the Michael's the best, dude. You're gonna make me tear just thinking about <laughs> George Michael, dude. But like growing up, I didn't know that he was gay. You know, I and I think he hadn't he didn't come out until later in life. But it was one of those things too that um, I didn't know that that was like a role yeah. model for me at the time. Um, you know, or a person that I could be like that person's like me. Like wow, there's other people like that. Out there, so I think it took a while to kind of like become comfortable with it because I didn't, you didn't have the education of what it could be, or that there was different ways to be gay. There's, yeah. you know, where now I think there's a, there's more acceptance of like different, um, different different way to like express yourself. Where back then there wasn't that. Um, I think also, and we may get into this later, but I think when I was younger, you know, you're coming off of the AIDS crisis in the '80s, right? So gay people are dying. Like by literally the, by the droves, you know, p- entire friend groups just completely gone, family members gone, and I think there was this fear that if you were gay, you were going to die. You were going to die, and I think that's what a lot of our parents um, pushed onto you, or or that's what in their mind, they're you know they're older, they're watching the news, they're seeing HIV is like wiping out the gay community, right? So then in their mind, they're like, oh, I hope my kids aren't gay because. At that point, it means you're going to die. You're going to die. Yeah. Something's going to happen to you. It's there's all the, there's like this built-in fear. So I think growing up, I would hear certain things from my family members of like, oh, I hope my son's not gay. Well, then, shit, I'm not going to say that I am. Then you know, it kind of like gets yeah. like kind of pushed down in you. And then you know, of course, like every other person, probably in the community you have that moment of like, I wish I wasn't this way. I wish that I was like everybody else. Like, why am I different? Because, you know, it's hard enough to grow up as a kid and then you have this other thing thrown into it. So that becomes tough. Um, You're already choking me up. (laughs) (laughs) It it definitely, you know, but I think I was that young when I, when I kind of like realized something was different than what I was supposed to be. Seven or eight, okay. Yeah. Who was the first person you told? Um, my friend Aaron. Well, aside from like strangers on the internet, <laughs> shout yeah. out AOL chat rooms. Shout um, out AOL chat rooms, yo. <laughs> the first person was my friend Aaron, um, who I'm still very close to. Like we're still like best friends today. Um, she's in my like inner group of of people in New Jersey. Oh, so it's a female. Yeah, Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. So we, um, you know, we're very close in high school. She actually didn't go to my high school. She, I knew her through church, actually. Okay. Uh, a lot of my like closest friends to this day are people that I met in church, like in youth group and folk group. And it's odd, and it's odd that I found this very accepting community in a place where you wouldn't think that you would find that church, a church, but and Catholic church at that. Yeah. But that's where I found these people that were accepting of me before I like vocalized 
that I was gay. I knew that I could trust them, that they would love me no matter what. That's great, man. So Aaron and I can tell you the way that I like came out to her. We um, were, I used to have web TV. Do you remember web TV? Was, I do. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. You just threw me back. Right. So it was wow. like post AOL before just like the internet being everywhere. You could hook up basically a modem to your TV and your, your TV became like your monitor. And you could go on and like send emails and go in chat rooms and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I remember getting to the point where I was like, I knew I was gay. And this was during, I was in, um, right before maybe I went to college. So like in high school, like senior year of high school. So, so two, that was the first person you ever came person, out to in you person. were in high school. Yeah, first person in, per, like first wow. in person person that I ever told. So now I'm like, you know, going to go to college. So it's 2001, maybe 2000, wow. 2001. And so we were sitting in my bed, and my and I have the web TV on, and I, I my heart is pounding like because I'm gonna, you're nervous, I'm gonna say yeah. Because you know you don't know, like you expect that they're gonna love you and they're not gonna have a problem, but you don't know, and there's this constant fear. Because as a gay person, you're shown examples of like your family shunning you, your friends shunning you, um, right alongside the stories of people being accepted. There's it's kind of like a fifty fifty. You yeah. you hope it's gonna go one way, but you don't know. You don't know. You know. So I remember I couldn't even say it. I couldn't I couldn't say the words. I couldn't vocalize I'm gay. You were nervous. I was so nervous. So I typed it on the web TV. So it came up on the screen. Oh shit. It was like, I have to tell you something. And she's like, what? And I'm like, I can't say it. So just watch the screen as I typed out I'm gay. And I remember like, you know, her reaction was like the biggest hug and like oh, it's man. okay. And of course, a little bit of like, I knew, we all knew. Um <laughs> But from there, you know, once you have like one person that accepts it, it becomes easier to tell the next person, the next person, the next person. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she was the first person that so I told. Shout out to Erin. Yeah. yeah, she popped your cherry. Yeah, she hypothetically. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, coming from an era where you kind of touched on it already earlier, we were talking, but mm-hmm. I want to I want to just dive into it more in detail. Sure. Coming from an era where it was commonplace for kids to call each other gay or the f word, I'm not going to say it out of respect to you. Um, but you know, it was, it was almost like it was a simple hello and goodbye. That's how common it was yeah. to like say those things. What was that like for you, man? Going to school and just hearing kids say that stuff out loud around you. You know, I never until, like I told you, we're going to have conversations tonight that I always thought about, but you know, unless you hear it from the perspective of a person that actually lived it, you're never going to know what it was like. So tonight you're popping my proverbial cherry <laughs> across the board, you know? What was that like? Because I was one of those kids, yeah. you know, saying it. To be fair, most kids like me that would say that stuff, we didn't literally mean it. It was yeah. just a, a word that you spurted out, the F word or gay. You're Stop being gay, bro. Yeah. Like, But what was that like for you, man, to hear that shit every day? It was horrible, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Oh, um, man, every time it kills me. Actually, it kills me. It, it, I think also we grew up at a time where there wasn't someone telling you not to say it, right? Like you kind of knew in the back of your mind that it was bad, but you didn't know the extent of what it was doing or what people were feeling when when you said it. But like every time I would hear it, what you know, at school, whether it was directed at me or towards anybody else, it kind of just pushes down your sense of like, oh, I can be myself. So every, you know, time you kind of feel like, okay, I can maybe, you know, maybe I can be myself. Maybe I can tell people someone would say it and it would get like the door would shut again and it would start all over again and crush your spirit. Yeah, absolutely. And I think over time, you know, you, you start to think like everyone thinks this way, everyone's saying this. 
So I can't ever tell people that I, I'm this way because you don't want the negative reaction. I mean, yeah. in addition to like being called a name, like you know, people are murdered for being gay. So, dude, like, yeah, beat yeah, up. Yeah. Fine. So I mean, we're lucky to live in a country where it doesn't happen. Uh, unfortunately, it still does happen here, but it doesn't happen as prevalently as it does in other places. Yeah. Um, but it's that's also a fear in your mind of like, if I am too gay. Am I going to get killed and like beat up and like okay, someone could call me that word and that's one thing, but like if someone kills me, that's like a whole different thing. So I think the hardest thing, not to <laughs> make this even worse or put this on you, but like when I would hear family members say it, it would be even worse because it would be like this is supposed to be the people who really could love me unconditionally. Did I ever say it around you? I'm sure everyone did. Like, never. Do you again. ever recall? No, not, never a time. I don't when, think I ever did, but I want to ask. I, I, I don't I'm know. Not, you know, as little kids running around here, like, you know, we were like young boys running around the backyard. Yeah. I'm sure one of us did. And I'm sure as a kid, I heard it and I was like, oh, fuck. Um, but Look, there's if no, I did, I'm sorry. There's no instance where I'm like, oh, Al said this one. You know, yeah, like, I know. I, I, nothing sticks out as that, but I'm sure it, it came out. But I, I, I mean, I. God bless my mother. I heard her say it. Like, yeah. you know, she would she would say like, oh, this gay like that gay person or the the man across the street was just like a single bachelor, and she'd be like, oh, that you know, whatever, blah blah blah. And it wasn't it wasn't mean in the sense of like there was hate behind it. It was just kind of the. It's just not fun to hear that type of no, shit. No, 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 no. But it, I don't think she meant malice behind it. It was just like as if she would say, oh, that jackass. But that's the term she used, and it would stick in my head. That's what I did when I was a kid. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, and then it would just be like, oh, well. You didn't mean it in a literal sense. No. But in the 90s, that was commonplace. Yeah. You know, it was just like calling somebody a bitch or a fucking pussy. Yeah, that's exactly. That's what you said. It's funny, though. There's a, there's a, like a PSA that's like now like a joke online. But I don't know if you ever saw it. It's Hillary Duff. It was like a PSA that was like, don't say gay. No, I didn't so see it. <laughs> you have to watch it on YouTube. So everyone pause and go watch on YouTube. And it's like her uh, trying, it's her and two other girls. And two of the girls are like trying on clothes like in a department store. And they're looking in the mirror and the one girl goes, oh, that's gay. And then Hillary Duff like comes out of the changing room and she's like, don't say gay. And it's like a PSA for don't say gay. And I was like, we needed a pop star from the yeah, early right? 2000s to tell us not to say that. You know, it's crazy. I was talking to my wife uh, earlier this week and we were talking about uh different pop stars like Britney and I shared some of my negative aspects on her and stuff like that. Right. Here we go. Again. Um, but I said like, you know, who's the best from that era? I was like the prettiest woman from that era is Hillary Duff. Really? I think so by far. Okay. I think she's, you know, her and Christina Aguilera. You're, I think you're an ex Tina fan is what we've learned tonight. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm also, I'm also Hispanic. So I'm already going to align true, with her off, off, off grip. I'm half Puerto Rican. So, um, since we're talking about those things of those, those hateful, hurtful things to say. Did anybody say those directly to your face growing up? Oh yeah, like in in school for sure. Um, really? Yeah. Like a lot? Oh, um, I'd say like fifth grade to seventh grade was the worst. In that like young teenage kids being dicks kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would get called the f word all the time at school like pushed into lockers, Jesus like all that kind Christ. of like, you know, you stuff you see on TV. Um, it happened. Like I brushed it off most of the time. I also, you know, it's like that joke too of like the gay kids who are closeted often have this support system of straight females around them. And I yeah. definitely had them growing up. 
So every time I'd get pushed into a locker or someone would call me a name, I'd have that girl like stick up for me. Like, you're going to say, you know, you can't say that to me. You're going to say that to me. You know, and I was, I was, I was very thankful to have them. Um, also my, my cousin on my mom's side, I grew up with in school. She's a year older than me. And she was like the badass girl. Like you didn't want to fuck with her. Yeah, yeah. So people also didn't fuck with me too much because they knew if they really messed with me, they'd have to deal with her. <laughs> so I luckily had her as a little bit of like a security guard in school. She was your guardian angel. Yeah, honestly. And I mean, she would whoop your ass. Like she would full on fight you if, if she wanted to. Um, so I had her, but it didn't stop kids. Like there was one kid in particular who I, like he went out of his way Wow, to like make fun of me. Kids are cruel, yeah. man. Yeah, they really are. It's it's horrible. Kids are kids are really cruel, especially growing up. <clears throat> I mean, it, it never mattered to me if you were if you were gay, you specifically too. Like, I didn't even we were kids. I didn't even think about that. Like, it, yeah. it never was like a, a something that was concerning to me. Uh, you're Vinny, and I know you. Yeah, you act whatever, however you act. That's who you are as a person, you know. So I never really like even considered that. So it's it's you know. I, I never is, cared or nothing. So here's a question for you. So I, when did you know that I was gay? Was it when I like a you know what's You know what's really weird? You're like, you didn't know I don't today. even remember because I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you were Vinny to me. Yeah. You were my family. Because I don't think I ever came out to you. Like no. it was probably just one of those things like, among the family, like it kind of trickled down to you, and then you're like, okay, yeah, I figured. Yeah, you that know what's weird? Yes, yeah. You know, and I never like even remember even having conversations with anybody, nor did I care. Yeah, you know, I just there was kids in my school, like you said, they would congregate around like uh, straight females, mm-hmm. and I, like there was a kid in my high school named David Berger. Shout out David Berger. I haven't seen him since I was in high school. I don't even know if he's actually gay, <laughs> but. I thought he was. Yeah. I didn't care, yeah. but I thought he was. There was a couple kids. It was two two brothers, Tommy and Johnny. They were twins, which I actually reconnected with a couple of years ago on Facebook. I saw them on my train because I'm a train conductor. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I never really cared. I never I never thought about it. But you know, those ones that congregate, you already knew. Yeah. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. It has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? So so it was whatever. But I never really I don't remember ever thinking like, oh, my cousin Vinny's gay. I just knew you were a little different. You talked different than most of us, but I never, you know, I, I, I don't know if I was blinded because you were family. Yeah. I don't know, but it, it wasn't a, we I also didn't, didn't see, I mean, when we were very little, we saw each other more often. I think as we got older and like, I, you know, didn't come to my dad's as often. We'd see yeah. each other on major holidays. Yes. Only. And Mostly. that was it. And then we'd spend like a fun night on uh, Christmas Eve. And yeah. then like, I'd which see was it. the best. I'd see you the next the Christmas best. Eve, you know, I think um, about those every year. Yeah, they're great. But nothing. I think more when we were that. little, you know, we're just running around being I assholes. Like, yeah, I, you were my cousin. I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. But I never. Yeah, I don't remember ever, ever like deeply thinking about it. Mm-hmm. it never, it never bothered me. Never cared. I like I said, I knew you were a little different, but it didn't it didn't care. When I found out, I wasn't surprised, but I wasn't like, oh, whatever. Right. You know, like it was, it was just regular. God bless. Yeah. As long as you're happy. It's all that matters to me, you know what I mean? So that's kind of like where uh, where I stood on it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know like I have opinions on things, you know, as as we all do of all topics, but, uh, you know, some things regardless if I agree with someone or if I don't agree with them, you know what I mean? I could never say or do what some people have, like the audacity to throw at some people verbally. Mm-hmm. Like we're just talking about like people actually coming up to you and saying those hurtful things is like, I could never do that. Like I, like I said, 
I'm a, I'm not a, I'm not a saint. When I was a kid, I used to throw that word around, those words around, calling my friends that name or whatever. But I never, like, I could never, if I knew somebody was gay, I could never walk up to them and say that shit. Ever. I mean, people are crazy for yeah. being able to do that. I, as a kid in that time frame, though, I was saying those things, you know, about, really? about other kids. It's like what you did. Like you yeah. said that was, word. Like I said, it was commonplace. Yeah, you yeah. said the word and it was just like you threw it out there to kind of like knock someone down a peg or make fun of them. So I was saying it too, but at the same time, I'm like, I am that way. But if I don't kind of like that join sucks, the group, man. then I'm going to be the odd one out. And then that they're going to really sucks, know. Dude. Yeah. And it's crazy because tonight is like, it's in a real emotional night for me because I've never heard this perspective from somebody from your side. So it's like, it's hitting me all at once right now. And yeah. it's a little tough to handle because mm-hmm. I've never been able to relate to that. And now that I'm hearing it from you, it's a little rough to, because I've had it easy. I'm a heterosexual male. I've never had to deal with any sort of trials and tribulations that you've had to deal with. So hearing the struggles you had, I didn't have a 10th of that. And it's, it's really sad to fucking, you know, I need your perspective. And yeah. tonight I'm getting it. It's a little <laughs> tough to yeah. hear, you know, no, I mean, and and again, like I still had a great childhood, but like you had those things to deal with every day. And there were times when I didn't want to go to school after like, let's say <sighs> on a Tuesday, Fuck. you get really made fun of. You don't want to go to school on Wednesday. That's horrible. Man. So you pretend to be sick or whatever it may be. Really? You did that oh, stuff, yeah, man? Of course, all the time. Like I, there was one year I had so many absences and it wasn't because I was sick. It wasn't because I didn't want to go to school. It's because I didn't want to get made fun of. <sighs> so I would stay home and it, it sucked, but- you know, at the same time, I still had a great childhood. I, I never was like physically assaulted really for it. More verbally. Thank God. Yeah. You're um, killing me right now. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's, look at me now. I mean, come on. Um, I'm, what just, I, I'm an emotional dude. That's it's, yeah. here, it's hard to hear that. It, I mean, like I said, the hardest part was that, you know, as a kid, you <laughs> everyone has, a, um, your hormones are all over the place. You're dealing with like just being a kid. Then you have... Divorced parents, you have, you know, I'm a, a fat kid too. On top of all this, so yeah, you let's, were, you were. Let's same, paint the same. picture. So was I. So was I. <laughs> let's paint the picture. I'm like an awkward, yeah. fat, glasses, bowl cut, you know, '90s kid <laughs> um, who's also gay, and so I'm like dealing with all of these things. So you're like being made fun of like every which way, and every time that you start to like feel like, okay, maybe I'm a, I can be like a normal teenager, or maybe I could. I'm going to get through this like weird, awkward phase of my life. You get set back. You get a faggot and it's Jesus. right back into, okay, it gets shut down. It's like you get like cut at the knees every time that you hear that, you know? And it was, and it, I shout out to all my friends at the time and still some of them I'm friends with today that like really stuck up for me. And whether they at the time knew I was gay or not, they knew it was wrong and they would f- step up for me because awesome. I couldn't do it myself. I, would just shrink if I you didn't have the strength. Yeah. I didn't. So I would if someone said something to me, I would just sh- like shut up. I wouldn't fight back. I would go the other way. I would avoid the people that made fun of me. But these people in my life, mostly straight females, would be the people to stand up and say, yeah. like, "You don't, you can't say that. Don't say that." Or they would like take me in and like shout out to their families too because they were the ones who I felt comfortable in their homes. Like they, you know, deep down knew. But I was allowed to stay with my female friends, like past when they wouldn't have sent a straight guy home. 
You know what I mean? Like they yeah. knew I was a safe guy to like hang out with their daughters and yeah. like and whatever. So like shout out to them too for giving me that like safe space to be comfortable because I didn't have it all the time. Yeah, that's crazy. Man. Yeah. So how many years were you in the closet for? You said seven or eight is when you kind of like realized. So you you came out, you said in 2000 and- 2001, I think, is when how I told Aaron. It's a long so, time. Yeah, I mean, so I, w- I was 13 in 1998. So whoever can do math out there for <laughs> how old yeah. was I? That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. What was it like telling your first heterosexual friend? And what was, was the reaction rough or was it smooth? Well, I think Aaron was the, definitely the first person I told again through like, that's wedding. a girl though. Okay. What so about okay. a guy. Yeah. So the first time with a guy, my friend Brian, who's now actually married to Aaron, they were t- no shit. <laughs> yeah. What are the odds of that? Yeah. So they wow. dated, they dated back then. They had a little time off like in college. They are, have now been married for a long time. So he was like one of my best friends back in like high school. Again, met him at church. Again, like strange that Catholic church is where I found like these, like my people. But, Very strange. Um, it was in a, so she had known hanging out again in my room, like, you know, as high schoolers watching like fucking diners, drive-ins and dives or like whatever, wow, fuck, yeah. on Triple D, whatever on TV. And um, it got to the point where I forget exactly. And this is horrible that I don't remember this, but it, I think it was one of those like jokes like we made fun of Ellen and like, oh, like the yep, Ellen DeGeneres? like the yep, I'm gay kind of like people magazine yeah. cover. Yeah. And I just kind of like nonchalantly came out to him. Um, and I think he, I remember him laying on the floor of my room and I'm on my bed and Aaron's on the bed and something, we said something to say that I was gay. And I remember him just like looking over at me and being like, Oh, okay. And then got up and gave me a hug and we went back to watching TV. That's beautiful. Yeah. Didn't care. Still love me. And this was the kind of guy like we'd, I'd sleep over his house. And in my mind, I was thinking at the time, is it going to freak him out to think that when we were having sleepovers, that there was anything like salacious about it? Like I was like, couldn't wait to see him like naked or like we were, oh, we're, I'm sleeping at a boy's house. And it never was that way. He was just my friend. But he was a yeah. boy and he's yeah. straight and I'm gay. And we spent a, we spent so much time together as kids in high school. And I never, I was so concerned about telling him because I didn't want him to think that I was like ever being like predatory towards him. Yeah. You know? And when I saw his reaction, I was like, okay, like, phew, thank God that like, he didn't think that. Yeah. Um, but that was my biggest concern about telling him. Where the girls I knew were a safe space, they didn't have that component of it. Exactly. But the guys did. Um, so that was that was my biggest thing for but so that was that was probably like two thousand three, maybe around wow. there. Yeah. So since you said that, I have a story to coincide with exactly what you just brought up. Okay. I've never said this publicly to anybody. So I had a friend years ago named Matt who I just reconnected with uh, about a month ago, which is great because he's, he's one of the most talented artists I've ever met in my life. So shout out to my friend, Matt. But I remember we hung out all through high school and uh, there's a story on how we met, but I'm not, I'm not going to get into that whole thing. I've been praying and trying to get him on here okay. to do a podcast, but he's not comfortable yet. Mm-hmm. So hopefully one day I'll save that story on how <laughs> I met him then. Okay. But anyway, I had him 
I've watched him uh, make out with girls. We were real cool friends. We bonded because of horror movies, our mutual love for horror flicks. He's a he's a horror historian. So am I. So we that's how we bonded. And uh, I've watched him hook up with girls, all this stuff. So one day he 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 had a he had a, similar to my first episode. He had a run in with heroin mm-hmm. and just drug addiction. So he ended up going to Florida for a while. Blah blah blah. I didn't see him for a while. Then he came back. And he came back and I met him at his house one day and we hung out. And like I said, he's very artistic. So I went in his basement in his parents' house in Verona, where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I I was on drugs at the time. Like I told you, that was around the time. Like I yep. was, you know, kind of like in the in the drugs thing with my first episode. Mm-hmm. So I was there and I went and I was hanging out and he showed me all his artwork because he's so, so talented. And he ended up making this crazy, it was like a, a tornado generator. He painted this like diorama and everything. At a vacuum cleaner parts, he made this like miniature tornado that actually made like smoke, like a real tornado, but he painted the background and used like, I don't know if it was paper mache or, you know, to make Mm -hmm. like all these different mountains and stuff. It was beautiful, beautiful. And he was showing me all this stuff. And then he starts showing me these pictures of when he was in Florida. Now this particular kid used to love to do uh, hallucinogenics. Okay. So while he was in Florida trying to get clean off the heroin, I believe I'm really bad with timelines. Plus I was like a little drugged up at the time. So I don't remember too much of what was going on, but that's what he was doing. And he was showing me pictures of like him hanging out in Florida with a bunch of people and stuff. And there was this particular flower that he discovered that can make you hallucinate. So he was picking them in the trees and like put them in his freezer and stuff. And he showed me a picture. I'll never forget this. And it was a it was just me and him in his basement, and it was a picture of him kissing another guy. Yeah, and, and it kind of like threw me for a loop because, like I told you, I don't really usually care about people's sexual preference; it never really crossed my mind. But at this moment, it kind of shocked me, and I hate to say that, but you know, I came from a society where that stuff was not only frowned upon, but it wasn't commonplace. Yeah. So I was kind of like thrown back. I was right. like, oh, what's this? And I, and I tried to say it respectfully because I knew like, if I'm seeing something, things are about to change now. Let me not be a dick. Let me play it <laughs> cool. That's my friend. I love yeah. him, you know? Yeah. So I was like, what's up with that? He's like, oh, you didn't know I'm gay. I was like, of course I don't know. I've watched you hook up with girls. I can yeah. name three of them off my, you know, top of my head right now. He was like, oh, that was just me trying to see if that like was what I wanted, but that's not what I wanted. I'm actually gay. And publicly saying this right now, at the time, my heart dropped into my stomach. I hate that I felt that way. Right. But I'm going to be completely transparent with you right now. I didn't know. I kind of panicked because I've never been exposed. Nobody's ever come out to me. Right. So that was the first time somebody that I knew that I cared about came out to me publicly in my face and I was alone in their basement. So I kind of freaked out. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It might sound stupid, but no, I, I, I'm being I really honest. Understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't show him that. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I'm very good at not showing, but I was, I was kind of like, I was like, Oh, I, I didn't know this. He's like, yeah, well, I'm not going to, you know, I didn't tell you then because I didn't know, but now I know. I was like, Oh, okay. The rest of the night was very strange for me personally. Right. I was like, damn. And it's, it, you know, it's sad to say, it's not like, the automatic reaction from a heterosexual male is like you said, you didn't want your friend to think that you were trying to be predatory on him. Yeah. Yeah. So automatically I thought, Dan, 
of course that's a possibility now, right? So like I'm kind of like internally freaking out and I, and I'm embarrassed to say that I was, but I'm not going to lie, I'm going to be transparent. Yeah. And I was I was kind of like, damn, that's kind of weird. But I'm like, what am I worrying about? Yeah. He's just trying to be he's trying to seek comfort in me. He, he I'm his friend. Yeah. He's trying to be I got to chill. What am I doing? So the rest of the night was a little awkward. No, I I can understand that. I think it's a, a question for you if it was a if it was a girl and you were looking in th- and you knew her as heterosexual and you're looking through photos and you saw a photo of a, her kissing another girl yeah would you have been as like <gasps> or would no, you been know like, wouldn't you know the answer right? to that it's like okay that's girls, not fair girls can do that that's, that's not fine, fair right so that's number 1 which it's is like a fair. weird thing the other thing is like if you were if you were with a straight girl would you th- and she's your friend you've known her for however much long whatever would you think the same way that like Oh, she's gonna to want to like try to get with me. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's like it's a weird thing where. It's stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's a, just. Be, I, it's a, I'm a victim of the '90s at the time. It's yeah. It's like I'm a different thing. now. It's yeah, of course. It's like a thing that's just kind of like ingrained in you. I think the other thing that comes with people coming out, and it's one of the fears that people who are gay and when they come out, and I think it's maybe what people feel who are being come out to, if that's the right term. Is the sense of like you thought you knew this person, and there's this whole other part to them. That's kind of what it that was. That you didn't know, right? That's kind of what it was. And it's a little bit of like one. Why didn't they feel comfortable telling me this? Yeah. If I'm supposed to be their friend, or like whatever. Yeah. So as a gay person, I have that fear. I had that fear of is am I going to upset the person because they didn't know this about me? Yeah. In addition to the fear of like, okay, they can hate yeah. me now. You know, and then as the person you come out to, do you then feel like, well, why couldn't they tell me? Yeah. I think that was the biggest thing I, I heard from family members when I came out was the sense of like, the first thing they said to me was, you could have told me. And it's like in my in the back of my mind, it's like I knew I could have, but that fear of like, what it's is the their fear, reaction yeah. going to be is what held, what held you back, you know? Yeah. And that's what like when he, I was kind of shocked just, just because... I think what was most shocking is that I've watched him mm-hmm. hook up with females all the time, and then that was kind of just shocking. It's not, I think that's not, that's not that I deeply cared. Yeah, it's that I was like kind of like whoa. And then the the time he chose to tell me, but obviously he's gonna tell me when he's alone and not with other people. Yeah, but you're gonna like you know. There's I just also didn't know this what to period, think. at least in, for me, where after you tell a certain amount of people, it's like the floodgates are open and yeah. you don't think about it as much. Sometimes you you forget that certain people don't know. Yeah, and so it could have been even that case where he's just like, oh, fuck, yeah. like, I didn't realize that Al doesn't know that I'm gay. Here's some photos. Oh, like that's just a part of my life. And yeah, then, you know, you saw it. So that could have been a thing too. But it's yeah. It's- I never talked about that. This is like the this is like a world premiere. <laughs> and a shout out to Matt because I reconnected. I lost touch with him right. for a long time, and I just reconnected with him two months ago. Kind of actually after I started talking to you about this, I was like, y'all, I miss Matt so much. And I reconnected with him. And uh, I, I'm starting to remember like those times. And yeah. I remember like after that night, I was, I kind of felt weird. I'm like, why do I feel weird? It's not fair that I feel weird. It's just a different thing that happened. It's okay. Yeah. So I kept contact with him. I remember one time uh, shortly after that, he invited me over his house to watch a movie. I was like, all right, I'll come by whenever. There was a bunch of people there, and he was dating somebody at the time. Okay, it, it it threw me off because it was it was such an extremity. 
it was like this six foot four tall Samoan dude. And he's like this skinny <laughs> five foot nine, like 120 pounds. So I'm like, it was just such like a strange environment to be around. I was like, Oh, where the fuck am I right now? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I felt, I felt guilty after shortly after that. Like, why did I feel weird? I should never feel weird like that. He, he felt comfortable with me to yeah. tell me, and it's not fair to him that I, at the moment, uh, didn't know how to deal with the situation. And that's because I'm a victim of the 90s. Right. I'm a victim of the the system that was in place at the time. And that's basically what happened. And I hate that that even went down. But if, I mean, it sounds like you were still um, respectful, which is- Of course. Weird, of course. But of course. not everyone is. So I'm the not fact that you off. did that is to him- Maybe stuck in his mind as like you know. I hope this, so. I haven't talked to him yeah, about it. Yeah. I've never talked. Well, Matt, to him. come on the podcast. It's I been wish a, a I great, wish. a great experience so far. I'm gonna tell him to listen <laughs> to this yeah. and have him. I, I wonder if he remembers that day. He's such a good artist. You gotta see this dude's stuff. Yeah, I definitely want to check it He's out. He's a sweetheart. He ended up becoming a shaman later on. Oh, cool. He's a very interesting man. I need him on here, yeah. but you know, it, it, whatever. Anyway, I can't imagine what it must have felt like being in secrecy. You know, like for all, for all those years, you know what I mean. That's the thing, man. It's like it's it's so easy to voice an opinion on a on a culture or a lifestyle that you know that involves someone else's beliefs. Um, but in a situation like this, you truly don't know what it's like unless you're in that person's shoes. You know what I mean? Uh, what was that whole experience like for you? It must have been so taxing on you mentally to go through that whole transition and actually coming out and, you know, the whole, the whole process. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think the hardest part was like never fully feeling like I could be myself ever. There's, I mean, even with the person that I feel like I was always the most open with, which is like when I was super young was probably my sister Yeah. later Nicole. in life was like Aaron and Eileen and like my, my, still my close group of friends now, like I was Lip syncing to InSync songs and doing Britney Spears choreography as a straight man with NSYNC these people. Is fire. Yeah. Well, they're better than Backstreet Boys. Let's. I mean, it's official. We said it here. That's a um, fact, though. But so, like, I, I was, I was being as out as I could at the time without saying I was gay. Like, I was, I was that guy. You know, like the InSync fan number one, straight. Yeah. You know, come on. Gone, gone is the greatest song of all time. Great I'm going to say great that song. right now. Great song. Um, so, but that was the hardest part was never feeling like I could be a hundred percent myself, you know, for so many years. And it just becomes like, that just becomes part of you. And even when it's you're a shame, man. and what happens though, which is really sad is then you, you start to become, you start to feel like you can only become yourself in secret or like at the time it was like in AOL chat rooms, you know? So I'm a 13-year-old kid talking to God knows how old your old men. Who fucking knows, yeah. You know, because it's the only, because there was an anonymity, I don't know what the fuck that word is. <laughs> um, but I, you know, you could be secretive. You could tell whoever, but I, it was yeah. the first place where I could ever say, I'm gay, I like guys, is in an AOL chat room when I'm 12 years old, you know, with the Rugrats fucking soundtrack playing on the boombox. And it but, felt good. And it felt good because I could be myself. You felt strangers free. On you the were internet. able to lift some of the weight off yes. your shoulders. I remember the first time that like I said it or like typed it online to a stranger being like, oh my God, like the panic, the sheer, like my whole body is like vibrating because you've never like wow. come to terms with it before. 
That's insane. And it's a safe space to do it on the internet. At, at least back then, like there wasn't, you know, no one could like track you. I don't know who you were. You had the, you picked your own name, like whatever the fuck it was at the time. So like that was the first time you could ever really be open about it was like online in weird ass chat rooms. That's the insane, unfortunate man. thing about that is that in those instances, there are predatory people who are taking advantage of people. Oh, who, yeah, I didn't even think about that. You know, so there, there are bad people out there who are know that the person on their end, other end of the thing is not a twenty-two-year-old kid that they yeah. say that they are, and they're going to take advantage of that. So it's like you're you're put in this weird position, but you're only in that position because you did not feel comfortable enough to be open about yourself yeah. in your everyday life at school yeah. with your family with your friends. So it, that definitely like weighs on you. Jesus, Christ. I think also like growing up in the '90s, like it definitely has changed a little bit now. You know, I spent my entire life watching movies and TV shows again where there's no gay representation. It's zero. All straight people. So you don't ever get to see gay joy. You don't get to see a Save by the Bell episode where there's like two young teenagers who are guys or girls who are together and they're going to the prom. You didn't I didn't ever get to see that. So to me, I didn't get to experience those things in the way that I wanted to because you never saw that that could be a possibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it being gay could be something you could do when you were out of high school and maybe out of college and like an adult and you could make your own decisions. But in no ways I ever think I could go to the prom with a guy. Like that was unheard of. Now, sure, like you can do that in the I never the, thought yeah. about that. That's I what's mean, so mind boggling. Yeah. So there was nothing that could show you as a kid that that was okay, that you could. You could do that. You know what's even crazier? So when you see something like that now on TV, you're like, what the fuck is this shit? Mm -hmm. What are they trying to put in the TV, right? Right. But it's just the heterosexual aspect of it. It's such commonplace. But really, there's, listen, being gay and stuff like that has been going on since the Bible days. Forever. This is no new technology. Mm -hmm. This is no new interest. They've been gay since the Bible days, yep. Roman days, having those bath oh, orgies. Yeah. Definitely back this is not new stuff. No. So it's like, it's pretty funny that that stuff has such an effect on people. But if you think about it, it's been going on since the beginning of time. Yeah. And we see it now. It's just because we're preconditioned for this type yeah. of stuff. I mean, if you think about it too, it's... What's well, another thing that's sad is that being heterosexual is the default, right? So absolutely the default. Yeah, a, a little kid. You know, you see little kids, and people are like, "Oh, do you have a girlfriend yet?" You're in preschool. Do you have a girlfriend? Oh, you're going to be a heartbreaker. You don't. You don't know that kid's sexual identity. You don't know what they're feeling. You don't know what they're going to grow up to be. But your instinct, your first thought, yeah. is that person, that boy, is going to wind up with a girl. That boy is a boy. You don't. I mean, there's so many things yeah. that are just like imposed on you from being a baby. Yeah. And it's not until later that you start to realize things yourself and that you can vocalize them and then you see how yeah. people react to them. But it's just fucked up that like the default is, oh yeah, it's straight. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I will say um, that I fucking can't stand is people trying to push sexuality as a whole on kids. Yeah. Leave it alone. Absolutely. Let them grow up and find themselves. Mm -hmm. When I was a fucking kid in middle school, I didn't, I didn't think about that shit. No. I, I want it to be a kid. Yeah. Stop push. I don't like when they push any tort, heterosexual, homosexual. Don't push anything. Push being a kid, push growing up, push 
getting intelligence, push that sort of Absolutely, stuff. Yeah. You have to learn you know, the basics of life before you even, who cares about sexuality? Don't worry, I, I know you found it out young. Yeah. But that was natural. It shouldn't have to be pushed onto you. Right. You know, that and I don't like. What it should be though is that, I mean, I understand the idea of like teaching that you can feel different ways, right? Of course. So as a seven-year-old heterosexual kid, you're going to maybe start to feel like you like girls. Yeah. As a, a gay kid, you're going to start to feel like you like this someone that's the same sex. Yes. As long as you know that that's okay, either way. Yes. That I think is the key. But, yes. But I, I agree with you that like, I don't like oversexuality of any kind. Oversexualizing kids is such a big thing now. It has it's been for ridiculous. a long time. I remember like the when Kaylee, my niece, was little. I'm saying like you know two years old, shopping for her for Christmas, and the amount of clothes and T-shirts that had like sexual jokes on them for a why a two year old why 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 about like oh babies like and breast milk and things. That's I'm sickening, like this dude. is insane. It's fucking sickening. It's insane. And it's uncalled for and it's not healthy for anybody to have no. that imposed on you so young. It's again, like what you were saying, like when you're a kid, you want to be a kid. You don't want to have to deal with You shouldn't have to worry about that stuff. And, no, it's what ridiculous. are you worrying about that for? Yeah. Be a kid. Yeah. Learn your basics, learn your math, learn your fucking English. And that's I mean? why I hope that being a out gay man who has a husband, who I have lots of friends who have kids. They know me and Steve, my husband, as like their, you know, Uncle Steve and Uncle Vinny. To them, we're just like another couple, you know? Yeah, that's all. And so I didn't have that growing up. So the fact that they do, it's I also said we kind of make it like okay for them. I don't think that any of them will, are homosexual or going to come out as gay in the future. But to them, to know that they have us in their life, from it's going to be very, normal practice now. Yes. And, and that it, must be amazing for you. Must be uh, relieving. It's great to it's great to know that we're that those people for these kids, and also to see how comfortable they are with us. I've known like I've held them when they were hours old. You know now they're ten, twelve, yeah, yeah. thirteen years old is insane. Because again, like I didn't have that growing up, so to know that we're that that role these role models for these kids, of course, yeah, is so important to me and. I love knowing that like I'm a part of their lives and they're as comfortable with me and Steve as they are with our heterosexual. That's beautiful, yeah. man. Yeah. That's beautiful. When when did you tell your parents? <laughs> so this is funny. Who, and which parent did you tell I first? Told my I'm mom assuming your mom first. Yeah. Okay. So this is this may be getting into some of your other questions, but I, I have to tell this part of it. So Steve and I have been together for 22 years. Holy fucking okay? shit. So we met when I was 17. Yeah, this is getting into it. It's okay. Okay. Continue. So this is just to tell the story. So when I, so at this point, I had been dating Steve in secret for years, okay? On my 21st birthday, my mom took me and Steve out to dinner in the city. Um, Where did you go? We went to Rosa Mexicana. Um, it was my sister- Steve, me, and my mom were driving in the car on the way back. So now at dinner, we had had lots of margaritas. I'm 21 years old. I'm interning for the agency I work for now. So I'm interning and doing- Carpel. Doing Carpel. I'm doing gay outreach for work, gay marketing for work. And when I'm telling my mom what I'm doing, I'm not mentioning the gay stuff, right? I'm, oh, I'm doing entertainment marketing. I'm doing marketing yeah, for yeah. movies. She doesn't know what I'm doing. She comes in the city. She takes me out for dinner. We're driving home. So now at dinner, oh, okay, so at dinner, we're having lots of margaritas as you do at Rose and Mexicana. And the waiter was like a cute guy. And my mom's dropping these hints 
all night. Like, oh, that waiter is cute. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. You know, oh, the waiter turns around. And, oh, he, he's got a nice ass. And now my mom is, she's passed away, but she was um, a fun, a fun mom, like a quote unquote fun mom. You know, the kind of like, if I want you to drink, I'd rather you do it at home kind of mom. So she's always been like a little out there, a little wacky, a little fun. So she's making these comments at dinner. So I'm thinking, okay, this is not unlike my mom to make these comments, but at the same time, they seem pointed towards me. Okay. You know, she's saying them like, oh, this waiter's cute, huh? Like a, a guy. So now I'm pounding margaritas because I'm nervous. Now she's bringing all this up. So we're sitting in the car on the way home. I'm in the back seat, the passenger seat. I'm on, on the window. My sister's in the middle. Steve's on the other passenger side in the back seat. We're driving down the West Side Highway. We pass the Hustler Club. My mom says, oh, you want to stop there for your birthday? And I said, no, I don't want to stop there. I was like, do you want to stop there? She goes, no, I'm not gay. And I was like, well, I am. And that's, also, how, that's how it came that's how out. I, I was drunk. I was nervous. It just like spilled out of my mouth. What did she say? Well, my sister in the backseat in between me and Steve turns, looks at me and goes, I knew it. I knew it. And then, <laughs> and then I go, oh, and I'm dating Steve for the last four years. And then he covers, so bashful, his, right? covers his face in his hands because he's not out too. So yeah, now yeah. I've just kind of like outed my boyfriend. Um and oh, my wow. mom just kind of said like, oh, okay, um, uh, are, you, are you really? And I said, yes. And she said, okay, are you happy? I said, yes. And she said, okay. And that was it. That's great. So now we got home, like two days later, we had my friends over for my birthday. She made a heart cake with S and V on it, like in, in like oh, icing. Because at that that's point sweet, I had yeah. told her, like I have my friends know, whatever. So that was when I told my mom, I told her first, like kind of drunkenly in the back of the car. Again, like Steve and I had been dating for a while. It was very kind of like a weird situation. But now I have to tell my dad. Like now it's like, okay, well, I did this and I gotta I gotta yeah, tell I gotta everybody hit the else. other the other end. And my birthday is coming up in two weeks. It's um right before Thanksgiving. So I knew I was gonna see the rest of my mom aside for Thanksgiving. So I'm like, fuck, now I gotta tell these people. Like Yeah, yeah. And it's very cliche. I don't know if you know this. It's very cliche for gay people to tell their family on Thanksgiving. No, I have no idea. It's like a thing where people go away to uh, go away to college. I'm not hip. You start to like <laughs> I'm not you hip know, to that shit. You start to like come out. You come home for Thanksgiving, like that first, you know, like two really? months at college. That's a thing. It's thing. It's you come at home at Thanksgiving and you tell your friends you're gay. Or you tell your family you're gay. What the fuck? Where it's have I been? Thing. I know. So I came home at Thanksgiving and I remember telling my aunt and cousins on my mom's side because I okay. saw them like right, like, a, you know, yeah, within yeah. days from my birthday. So I remember coming out to my cousin and she's like not paying attention. She was like watching TV. So my two cousins are sitting at the table and I'm telling one and I'm like, so there's something to tell you. And like, you know, I'm all nervous. And my other cousin's totally not paying attention. And my other cousin starts slapping her in the arm. And she's like, Jen, Jen, stop. Vinny's coming out. Vinny's coming out. <laughs> like she knew. She knew it was coming, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so like I came out to them. And again, like everyone was fine. When I told my dad, I was definitely more nervous. Again, like it's that like kind of male thing. Exactly. What's he going to think? What's yeah. he going to do? It's also as a male, a gay male, you have in the back of your mind, like I'm not, you know, if I don't have kids, I'm not going to take on the the name of our family. There's like that whole pressure of it all. Um, also in our family, like, you know, they're very macho Italian men. Yeah, you know how it is. Yeah. You know, um, so there's that sense of it too. It's, it's this, 
kind of like, am I going to see, be seen as inferior or not as manly all right. and all these things. So I remember um, my dad at the time was married to my stepmom at the time. They have since gotten divorced. But I remember like telling the two of them in Nona's kitchen and just being like, well, my mom knows and I got to tell him. I gotta was tell Nona him. there too? No. So I told her okay. later. Okay. okay. So I told my dad, I said, I have something to tell you. And he's like, what? And I was like, I already told mom, just so you know, uh, on my birthday, but I want you to know that I'm gay. And I remember him just saying like, just kind of like being quiet and like shaking his head. And he's like, okay. And my stepmom was there too, Lisa. And then she goes, she was like right away, hug me. Okay. We love you, whatever. And he was like, okay. And the same thing. He said to me, okay, are you happy? I said, yes. He's like, okay, are you safe? I said, yes. He said, okay. And that was it. That's great. We didn't- Shout out to know. Anthony, man. Yeah. Tony, Uncle Tony, baby. Now, I'll tell you about telling. So then he says to me, okay, well, maybe we're not going to tell Nona, okay? So now my my Nona, she's like in her 80s at this point. She's like an old Italian lady. She speaks like, you know, she's most- She's the best. English. God rest her soul. Yeah. Solid pep. <laughs> she cuts off the ends of words. She has la sal, you know, sort of salad. Pep. You know, she's an amazing woman, but it was that, you know, she's of a certain age. She's like an old Italian lady. Maybe we're not going to tell her. Okay, fine. So in my mind, I said, okay, I love my Nona, but if he feels like this is the best route to go, you know, yeah. we're going to kind of like keep this on the back burner. So for years, I didn't tell her. Really? I didn't tell her till Steve and I got met, like got engaged. No shit. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, to be honest, before you speak, I don't think she would, she would be that. You know, yeah, she would take it bad no. at all. So it's just like, sweetheart. Fast forward years later, and so I'm like, well, fuck, I'm getting married now. I need to tell her that, like, you yeah, know, I yeah. want her to be there. Of course. So I remember calling her on the phone. I said, like, oh, no, I have something to tell you. She's like, okay. I said, um, I got engaged, and she said, oh my god, you did. I said, yeah, to Steve, and she goes, Steve, and now she knows Steve. Like he's been around as my quote unquote friend for years. Okay. And then I said, yeah, so you understand, like, we're going to get married. She said, oh, yeah, okay. And I said, uh, is that okay? And she said, you think you're the first gay people in our family? She's like, it's fine. <laughs> really? And like, as if, and then part of me thought, like, she missed out on knowing me as my for full years. self for years, for years, for knowing Steve as my partner, my boyfriend for years. Yeah, wow. Because of this fear that someone who's older or someone, who is of a certain age is not going to be yeah, accepting from a different time. You're imposing that on the person, right? Yeah, which is unfair to them. But at the same time, it's it's also it was a it was a safety measure for me. Of course, it's when you're living in your life, it's tough to 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 open up to anyone, yeah. let alone somebody from a different generation. Yeah, and honestly, like if she would have had a problem with it, it would have like ruined me. So I understand the idea of like keeping it. Yeah. Like silent for a long for a while, but I think the the fact that that was her reaction, and like fast forward beyond that, like her and Steve were super close. Yeah, um, got along so well. Like they later in her life, when she moved down to Florida, we would go visit with uh, my and uncle's house. They would sit on the uh, outside on on like the patio and talk for hours. The two of them, I bet. Yeah, and just like shit, the like shit. She was the best man. Oh, she was, was the best. And dude. for me to see them like get she close, she was the best. Yeah, was she was the so. fucking best. Oh. Carmelo, Tanya, you, you're cutting onions, bro. <laughs> you're cutting straight onions right now. I don't, I don't, I can't handle this shit. <clears throat> anyway, 
So I never thought of any of this type of stuff, you know, until now, but everyone remembers their first girlfriend or their, or their first kiss mm-hmm. or anything, you know, of like, of that nature. But in your situation, I bet, uh, you know, those type of moments, they're going to hit a little different, you know, being that it's a big possibility you and the other person were, were living in secret for many years, you know, to an extent. Uh, that when you finally share that moment with each other, you know it's it, it's it's most likely going to be more meaningful than a, than a than a run of the mill heterosexual situation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just going to be totally different, almost almost sacred mm-hmm. in a sense. Uh, would you agree on that? Yeah. So I well, so the first time that I like kissed a guy, right? I literally thought I was going to die. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it, the fact that it came to that uh, point after thinking about it for so long, it's kind of like this deep, dark secret. It's like buried inside of you. When you finally get to act on it, it is like unbearable, like the feeling that you have. Right. And I imagine, and I don't know what this is like, obviously not being heterosexual, but like I feel like maybe it's more because it's more common, it's not as. Insane as it was for me, like of course not. it was still it was still definitely like uh, nerve wracking because yeah. it's something new, it's something foreign. But yeah. for you, I can imagine it's like light years worse. And that you find someone else who's like you, you've been able to find another person that's like you when you're living your life in this like secret. It's gonna hit different, man. It's it's insane. That's why I want to know your perspective. Yeah, on it. yeah. So um, not to like in a two minutes detail, but I actually the first person, the first man that I ever kissed, the first boy I ever kissed, was someone that I met online. Because at that point, again, like I was not out in my real life. I was not. That was the only comfortable zone you could be in, right? So it was like meeting someone online where I could like voice who I was myself, have them like react to that, and like we met up and like hung out, and like I was you know like a young kid at the time. Yeah. And like kissing them, I feel like was like, oh my God, like this is insane. And to have that experience was like, it it was the first time where I felt like this is, because at that point you have never acted on these feelings you've had. Like, you know, something's different, you know, you're attracted to guys, but you don't really know because you've never like kissed another guy. I could have kissed a guy and been like, oh, well shit, that wasn't what I expected to be like. And then you go into this other questioning zone of like, what's going on? But like, Kissing that person and like, you know, butterflies in the stomach, fireworks going off, those kinds of like, okay, this feels right, just solidified what I had been feeling all along. But until that point, it wasn't like rock solid because it's always just kind of like a theory. This is how I'm feeling, but I don't of course, really yeah. know. Of course. So until then is when it's kind of like, okay, this is this the is real right. deal. Holy yeah. feel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. As I mentioned before, I mean, I know you, but I don't really know you. So let me explain this way. What made me feel that? What made me feel that way? So this is. Um, let me explain why I feel this way and what made me realize that. So on my wedding day, mm-hmm. you and I had a moment towards the end of the night. Mm-hmm. I mean. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry just thinking about it, but <sighs> you brought up my mother. Yeah. And we were both hammered. Yeah. For sure. It was a good time. Do you remember what you said? Yeah. What did you say? So 
I went back and forth about saying anything to at your wedding. Really? Yeah, I did. I hate that you felt that way. Well, because it's like, you know, it's your wedding day. You got a million things going on. I definitely was drinking a lot. Yeah. We were all drinking a lot. Um, and I didn't want it to take away anything. I didn't From the it, moment. Yeah. Like, you know, especially at the time when I chose to tell you or talk to you, yeah. it was like, as people are leaving, you're busy. There's like, you know, it's, it's like, of course. Yeah. But again, like I had been drinking, you've been drinking. And I remember saying to Steve, like, I feel like I need to tell Al this or like really? say something to him. And Steve was like, okay, then do it. And I was like, but I don't, you know, and he's like, just do it. Like, it's going to take two seconds. If he's busy, really? he's going to say like, it's, you know, move on. Yeah. But so Al's mom, my aunt Lydia was an amazing woman, right? She was <laughs> the nicest, most fun, ex- like charismatic, always put a smile on your face kind of person. Okay. So she, for me, when I came over to my dad's side, um, was always someone that I knew if she was around, it was going to be a fun time, you know? And I knew growing up, my mom got along with her when like our families were together. So she was always someone that I knew like was a safe person for me. And I remember a couple of times like growing up when you were little, we'd, I'd go home over to your apartment. I think it was like one of your birthdays. I don't remember what year it was. I remember watching like Baby's Kids and like oh, the that living was the, room. We don't die, we multiply. <laughs> yeah. You know, and in like just always having a fun time with her. And later in life, you know, so I'm this awkward, get clearly gay, but not out kid. And I remember one time sitting in Nona's house and we're in the kitchen and it's me and your mom and my dad and Nona and like we're all just like, you know, just hanging out, probably eating cheese and meat as you do as an Italian. All day. And uh, everyone left the kitchen and it's me and your mom. And I, I'm like an awkward, probably 12 year old at this point. And I remember she used to always wink at me, like as kind of like she'd make a joke and like kind of like look at me and make a little face as kind of like, uh, really? You know, yeah, all the time. Like really? as if as if I felt like I was like her buddy, like her little like secret person. Like, I didn't know this. Yeah, all the, all the time. And it was always, I think she kind of sensed my nervousness sometimes being around these super macho men in our family. And she was always just like, I got you kind of like a, you know, you're in a safe space. But I remember there's like this one day, everyone's in the kitchen. We're just hanging out, whatever, as we always did. Everyone leaves. It's the two of us. And I remember like being quiet and sitting there and just feeling again, like, you know, it's not like, not like that day I was, super in my like homosexuality. But again, it's always in the back of your mind, especially in those situations where you're not out and you're trying to be yourself and you're like thinking about like, what did I sound too gay when I said that? Like, that's always something that's going back. That's crazy. And I remember her like, she's like looking down and looking around the room and she looks over at me and she's like, it's okay. And I was just like, what? And she's like, Vinny, it's okay. And I was just like, the first time that I felt like it was okay, you know. Like I had someone on my side in our, in our family. Like again, fast forward years later, I come out. Everyone's cool with it, but it was the first time that I had someone that was like, without saying it, said it, and it was. She was the best. Man. Yeah, she was. I never do that story. Yeah, <clears throat> and Ooh, it and fuck. it like the the kind of. 
um, boost that it gave me, the confidence that it gave me to not only like I wasn't like the next day I came out to everybody, but like it was kind of like all right, like I'm gonna have people on my side, you know, that are gonna be there for me, that are gonna love me no matter what. And if and if everybody doesn't, I'll know that certain people do. The important people will. So to her testament, like she she never like forced me to say anything. She never. <sighs> She never even said it to me what it meant, but like to me, I knew what it meant. You knew, yeah. To her, she knew what it meant. You know, I never, I never knew that. Yeah. So on an Al's wedding, <laughs> oh, as people were leaving, we're all hammered. I chose to tell him how his mom was like my safe space um, in our family. Uh, oh man. Yeah. I never knew that. The, yeah. The, the, the detail. That you just shared, and I remember, like after she said it, and caught me off guard, and and like we, you know, I, I before I could even react to it, like other people came back in the, into the kitchen, and we kind of just went back to what yeah we were doing. So I never really got to like say, like have a further discussion with her about it. About and it, even the rest of her life, like we never talked about it. I never officially came out to her, but she knew. But she knew. Yeah, yeah. She had a gay uncle named Tito. Oh, really? He was a hairdresser. That so she she knew, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's uh, what I feel like when you have those examples in your life, you pick up on it, right? You can understand. You're gonna, you're on a gonna get level, it. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna sense that in somebody else. And to her credit, Oof. I mean, at a time when not everyone was as open or accepting, like she clearly yeah. was like that person for me of like, okay, calm down. Like it's yeah. gonna be okay. Oof, that was rough. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Nah. I welcome it, you know. Yeah. <sighs> Man, another thing that was one day years ago, I saw a picture on Facebook mm-hmm. of you and Steven when you were kids. I mean, kind of, you know, but you were very young. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't realize you guys have known each other for for all these years. I didn't yeah. know. I had no recollection. I didn't know. I told you I didn't care. Yeah, I didn't really think about it. I didn't care, you know. So it was when I saw that picture, I was like, "Damn, he's been with him for that long." So, 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 you guys have been with each other for years. How long have you been together again? So we've been together for twenty-two years. We met when I was seventeen. Steve was nineteen. Um, my freshman year of college, we met at Seton Hall, where we went to school together. Oh, uh, you went to Seton Hall prep? Yeah. Uh, no, Seton Hall. I mean, uh, university. Yeah, so yeah. Catholic private school, right? We met there, like. So okay, you also have to remember this is two thousand one. This this is like nine eleven year. Yeah, right? yeah. So we started. I was a freshman. Freshman yeah. year of college, nine eleven year. So like we started school late August, early September. Right after we start school, nine eleven happened. Yeah, so yeah. Everyone's emotions are all over the place. Of We're both closeted. We're going to a Catholic private school in New Jersey, um, and we both joined choir, like our our okay. touring choir. And met each other like in choir, but like straight out of like weeks into school, right? Yeah. But we're neither, neither of us are out. And it's that kind of thing when you're a gay person, you pick up on other gay people. You know, you kind of like get a the sense. Gaydar. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it is gaydar, it's straight up gaydar. So we were in choir together. And I remember like kind of like having that instinct of like, I know and he knows, but we don't, we haven't said it to each other. And we're clearly not out, and it's this kind of like secret eyes across the room kind of a thing, you know. So fast forward a couple of weeks later, 
we're out at like a frat party together. Um, and it was the first instance where we were like a little drunk and you kind of get that like, okay, like we're on the same wave. The screws yeah. are a little loose. You're a little, yeah. and you're a little, a little, more, a little yeah. more like talkative, a little more like touchy-feely. Yeah. And let's just say like from that point on, it was like clear that we were both on the same page. And that was like middle of October, freshman year of college, 2001. And we've been, wow. we've been together ever since then. That's crazy. Yeah. So like our anniversary together is October 19th, 2001. We got married on October 18th, 2012, no, 2014. So we happened to like our wedding anniversary and our like together anniversary is a day apart. We've been married for nine years and together for 22 years. And I years. wish I could have went to that wedding. It was, I just kind of got the yeah, job at the time. Job, yeah. 2012, I just got hired Yeah. and I, I, I couldn't take off. Yeah. I remember that moment. I was like, oh, Fuck. Yeah. It, it was, was in the time. city too, wasn't it? Was a it was a good time. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you know, okay. I would have went was, if I could have. Yeah. It was you fun. know it was that. Fun. But like that too, like having all of our family there, Steve's grandfather, who was still alive at the time, Nona was there. She was like alive at the time. Like aunts, uncles, cousins, friends, friends of the family. Like to have all these people that are there who accepted us and loved us. Yeah. Who for many years were the people that we were like questioning, can we tell these people? Can we not? Are they gonna still be and to have them all there with us in a room was like exceptional, you know. That's the thing. I can't I can't imagine what that would be like to live in secrecy. Yeah. I never had to deal with that. Yeah. So it, it's it's weird to hear it from you. You're the first person to ever really tell me that. So like right now everybody's getting a world premiere of like <laughs> You know, it's just, I'm getting all these emotions, you know what I mean? Yeah. Live and direct. I've yeah. never, it's different when you hear it from a person that's been through it. And I've never knew, you know, I could never imagine what it would be like because my life was way easier than yours in that aspect. Right. As far as like. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's like a built in, um, Kind of like when when you're a heterosexual, you don't have to worry about coming out. You don't have to worry about people's reactions because it's again like it's the default. It's what's expected of you, and there's no difference. That's so it's a shame. Only Brett, when you're no. a member of the community do you have to worry about what are people's reactions going to be. And even to this day, when it's much more accepted, people it's still again it's still there. Yeah, there's still states in this country where you could be fired for being gay. You know what I mean? Really? Still to this day, which is insane. You know what I mean? So there's still laws in certain in certain states where you can't adopt kids if you're gay. There's like still going on to this day. So there's still reasons why people are not open about their sexuality or like maybe at work don't tell people or like whatever it may be. And and that is still you think oh 2023 wow. can do whatever they want, but it's not the case. Even you don't in America, that. you know, you think other countries sure like there's a lot of things That's that go on over there, yeah. But here you think oh everyone can do whatever they want and it's not the case, which is sad. That's crazy. You know? Yeah, it, it like I said, it's it's weird to hear it, yeah. Because you don't realize it, yeah. You know, now like it's all hitting me all at once. I'm like, damn. You know, but you, you also get to a point where I think it's maybe it's age, maybe it's your um, surroundings where you don't give a shit anymore, and yeah. it's like you're gonna be yourself, and people can fucking take it or leave it. Yeah. But I think for some people, it's it's a safety issue where depending on where they live, if they live in a part of the country where it's not as accepting, they can't be as open. Um, maybe their job, they don't feel like they can be open. So there's there yeah. are still places where you can't be. But I think for me personally, it was like, 
after I came out to the people that I cared most about and everyone that I really cared about knew, if someone else fucking cared, I don't, that's your problem, not mine. Yeah, yeah. You know, but to think that as a kid, like that's how my thought would be like years in the future would, is insane. I would never, if you told 10 year old me that like in the future, you're not going to care who knows that you're gay or not, I would think you're a crazy person. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's wild, man. Yeah. How was it in the beginning for you and Steven? I mean, how long were you guys in secret for? Walk me through those years okay. of your relationship. So I'd say to our friends. You met in church, you said, right? We met at school in choir. 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 I'd say choir. Yeah. So we met 2001. We dated all through college. Um, we were lucky enough that we went to the same school. So we were roommates, uh, sophomore, junior, and senior oh, year, shit. right? So we shared a dorm room. Um Wow. So this is funny, but so at, at Seton Hall, because it's a Catholic private school, we could be expelled for being gay cohabitating what? people, right? So if they knew that we were dating- Is that still active? I don't know actually to this day, but at the time, if they knew that we were a couple and we were in the same room together, they could have expelled us, right? So we could not be open at school because of that reason. Jesus But we Christ. chose to live together, which also- as like 18 year olds, you're choosing to live with your boyfriend, which is also insane. Cause if you break up, that's your roommate. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. But that means you really loved we each other. We really loved each other. We were, we've been so close for Holy so long, Shit. but it, it was so bad that at the time, so like sophomore, junior year, we, we actually, sophomore, junior, senior year, we lived in the same room. We like, you know, would leave for the summer, come back to the same room. So to us, it was like our apartment. We had one bed that was a couch. We had one twin college bed that we both slept in somehow. We were both thinner at the time. Um, but we, so if they came into our room and knew we were gay, it could be a problem, right? We could have to face all these issues. Wow. So our room was gay in the sense of like, I had a Justin Timberlake poster that hung over my desk, right? Now this is how neurotic we were about this, about being found out that I had a Britney Spears poster, which again, like, a gay guy with a Britney Spears poster is also pretty, you know, gay. But to kind of like combat the idea that I had a shirtless Justin Timberlake poster over my desk, I had a Britney Spears poster over the Justin Timberlake poster that was rolled up and held on the ceiling with rubber bands. Okay. Now, if a if a fire alarm went off, I could tap the the poster with a ruler. And the Britney Spears poster would fall over the Justin Timberlake poster to cover up that I was a gay man. Like, that's insane, right? That's fucking insane. So I literally had this like booby trap in my college dorm room for years because of the the fear. Or I don't, I don't know what to say right now. It's insane. Because you don't, you don't think about, like I said, as a heterosexual male. Yeah. I don't have these worries. I don't think about this stuff. To hear it is is really bizarre. It was it's like really it bizarre. was like Home Alone, like straight version. Like, uh, what could I do to make this room more? Straight? The lengths that you had to go yeah. through as an individual to cover yeah. who you were inside. Uh huh. So we went through all all four or four years of school dating. You know, at this point, no one knew except for my friend Aaron knew I was gay. Um, yeah. It wasn't until later in college that we told our friends. So, like for years, Steve was my friend. Steve was my roommate. It wasn't until years later that we told them. And then it wasn't until two years after college that I came out like to our friends and our family, like at home and like told everyone that we were dating and all that stuff. So 
it was a long time that we were, we had, I think we were dating for five or six years Jesus before Christ. we told people that we were a couple. He was wow. just my, my good friend, Steve, who I go on vacation with and stays over at my house till two o'clock in the morning. And so you know, yeah. It's so much different when you have it so easy on the other side. You don't think about having to do those things. You don't things, think about but, that stuff. Yeah. That's why it's, it, it's really shocking for me to hear the lengths that you had to go through to be, to be normalized. Yeah. Or like secret codes you would have to like be able to say, I love you in front of people That's because you can't crazy. say it. Or I remember like spending like a Christmas Eve with him and like hugging him at Christmas, like at midnight for Christmas and like giving him like a couple extra squeezes. Cause I wanted to like give him a kiss, but I couldn't do that. You know what I mean? So like stupid shit like that, that you, you want to be able to show someone that you love them in You're those ways. You're crushing my spirit. Right <laughs> just <laughs> hearing it hey, is we made it crushing. <laughs> we made it through. But yeah, it was just, I mean, it was a big deal the first time that Steve came over here for Christmas Eve, you know? So in our family, Italian, Christmas Eve, fishes, you know, the whole nine yards. Um, so for many years, I, you know, I would come by myself, even though I had a boyfriend a, for years, I would come to Christmas Eve by myself with my sister. Um, and it wasn't, I remember the first year that he came was like, like literally my heart almost burst out of my chest because to me, that time with my my dad's side of the family, Christmas Eve was like our peak time. Like it was the best time in the you world. You couldn't beat man. it, right? We were all together. We're overeating. We're over drinking. We're sharing stories. The it's wafers. Everywhere. Yeah, we, the whole night. My, my aunt is Polish, so she does. Um, their tradition is on Christmas Eve. I don't even know if it's Christmas Eve, but you do a thing where you break off a piece of wafer. You go around the room. We tell everyone we that greet you each love other. Them, yeah. You give them a hug and a kiss. And uh, that's something that we've done in our family for years, even though it's not an Italian thing, it's a Polish thing. But actually, I still do it to this day. Oh, I've, yeah? I've bought those hosts every year no on Christmas shit. Eve. We do it. I don't care who I'm with, but we do it on that on Christmas Eve. And it's I, comforting, man. I that was it. a good time of the year, man. It's, it's, a, it's like a magical thing. But that, to, to me, like Christmas Eve was like the pinnacle part of my dad's side of the family. So to have Steve be a part of that and to have him be accepted by everybody... Yeah whether they knew he was my boyfriend in the beginning or not was like, I could not have been happier. Like that was like peak. You yeah. couldn't, you couldn't get beyond that, yeah. you know? So that was always like the, the kind of like start of like, this is going to be good. The comfort zone. Yeah. Start of the comfort As, zone. Exactly. Yeah. That's weird. I, I don't remember ever like remembering that transition. I didn't care. I just was happy. You know, mm -hmm. I, like it never like phased me like mm -hmm. that, but those times are special, man. And it's crazy that I own this house that we used to spend those yeah. times with. It's, it's really bizarre. Yeah, like coming over today and walking the door, like you have so many memories and emotions. It's weird, right? And I've spent decades of my life like spending parties here, major holidays. It feels getting, good. Yeah, it feels good that it's still in the family, that you're making your own memories here and having like good times. And yeah, I'm glad like, to have you here. I'm, yeah. really, I'm really happy right now. <laughs> Do you recall any defining moments? throughout the life of your relationship <clears throat> together with Steven um, that you specifically remember like that one moment where you realize like he's the one, like I want to spend the rest of my life with him. I mean, honestly, we are a unique, I think a unique couple in the sense of like from the beginning, like I'm telling you like week one of knowing Steve the way that we just like clicked together, had the same exact interests, like the same movies. Um, you guys are adorable, by the way. <laughs> it's like from the Absolutely beginning. Absolutely adorable. Like I'm telling you, we were dating for like a week or two and I was drawing 
sketches of like what our future children would look like. Really? Oh yeah. Like fully in like yeah? from the beginning. And I think it was because we were both coming from it from a, weirdly enough, a very similar situation. Like we're both, okay. he is a big Irish family. I have an Italian family. We're both Catholic. We're like secretly gay at this like Catholic school. We happen to find each other. He's from, he's lives 10 minutes away from where I lived before we met at school. Like we're, we had so many things that were in common that like once we were together, it was just like, I felt like I had met the other half of me. Like, you know wow. what I mean? Like it was just from the beginning I knew, which is strange because there's a cliche in the gay community of like sleeping around or um, being promiscuous or like not finding like your other person, like constantly dating. But for us, like it just, it just was right. Like from the beginning, I couldn't imagine my life from the beginning without him. And I wow. think, um, Seeing him with my family, even though at the time he was quote unquote my friend Steve, and how easily he just like fit in with them and vice versa. Like I just was felt so comfortable around his family. I think just showed me that like it was it was meant to be. This is it. Like wow. Yeah. In a nutshell, how wild was that transition from growing up in the nineties when it was just, you know, everything was very secretive and like you couldn't you were scared to come out and then like now up to present day when you got married and everything, everything's wildly. What was that journey like and that transition from one to the other for you? What's for you both? Yeah, what's crazy is that like when we were younger, if you ever told me that I would be married to a man and open to my family and everyone's accepting and that like even the how the world has changed in some sense. It's changed a lot. I never would have believed you. I would have been like, you're fucking out of your mind. Like yeah. that's never going to happen. That's crazy. So to have those huge leaps and bounds in like my short lifespan at this point is insane because you think there were people before me who were gay and never were able to come out, who lived their entire life as a lie, be married to a woman, let's yeah. say if they're a man, who are gay, had whole families, and never ever told anybody that they were gay because of what was like how the, the culture was back then, you know? And to have a change from like you could come out now having it be much more widely accepted is like insane to me. You know, I think yeah. now in the last couple of years, we're kind of like we've taken like three steps forward and like maybe a step and a half back, unfortunately. Um, but it's still way better than it was like when we were kids. Way better. Yeah. You know, kids have it now so easy in comparison to when you were growing up. They could just come out and it's like so much more accepted as opposed to, you know, when you were growing up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like way easier, at least like from the outside, you know, looking in. Uh, what's your take on uh, what it was to become? Do you think it was more, uh, there's still more progress to be made? Or do you think like you're at a good place as far as the community is right now? I think there's definitely more room or more ways that- More room for improvement? Definitely, yeah. I think the- um, But it must be far greater than it was. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Better like than night and day. Yeah. I think we have a lot more room to go. I think um, the more that we're visible and the more that we're out there in the open, I think it's helpful. Like in, like in this having this conversation- you getting to experience like my perspective of things exactly yeah. only helps you to learn better where I'm coming from, where other members of the community are maybe coming exactly. from. 
people that are hearing this can maybe learn something from what I'm saying. So the more examples, the more seeing people who are open and like, you know, living their life and are happy and whatever, I think is only going to aid that. I think, you know, as part of the community, obviously there's the LG, the, the L, the G, the B, the T and the Q and vice and all of the other letters. But I think the trans community, especially in the last couple of years is really taken a, a hard hit. Um, and I am someone that feels like they are a big part of our community. I know there's there are some others out there who feel like the trans community should not be part of the gay community. I do not feel that way. Um, to me, like I feel a sense of like needing to help them and be a resource for them and do what I can to um, make their lives easier and better and more accepted than, you know, the same yeah, way yeah. that I felt like back in the, in the nineties. So I feel like they are the ones really right now who could use some assistance. Yeah. Um, so that's where I think like the biggest kind of like steps forward that we need to take, I think as the LGB, the LGB part of the community is being more and more accepted. I think the trans community definitely needs the assistance um, that we needed back in like the nineties, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. So, so, you know, now that I'm sitting here with you asking these questions, I'm starting to realize like how much different life is as a straight man, as opposed to being, you know, a gay man. These are things you truly don't realize, you know, being on this side of the coin, you know, which I really, really appreciate seeing things from your eyes and your mind today. Um, you know, you never ask someone, what is your favorite heterosexual hangout? You know what I mean? You don't, right. you don't do that. It's just right. not what, but for you, there's plenty of like gay quote unquote hangouts. So what is your favorite gay hangout? Oh man. Uh, we talked about feathers earlier, but you said you've never <laughs> been there. I've never been, although I live very close. I have, I have to go and make it, make up for that. Um, Isn't that weird though? Like the, yeah. you don't ask somebody, what's your favorite hetero hangout? Yeah, like, it, it just doesn't your happen that way. Bar, like think about that, right? Yeah, right? It doesn't happen that way. It's insane. Um, well, in the city, uh, you know, there we used to live in Hell's Kitchen. Um, there, there was a bar that's gone now. Um, that was like our favorite, like dancing place. It was called Posh. It's like Posh, kind of a dive. Not bar. Pasha. Posh. Not posh. Yeah, not Pasha. Just Posh. Um, that was a fun place. It was literally across the street, so we could leave our stuff at home, go across the street. We would drink at home and just go and just dance there basically. Oh, dope. But it was amazing. And you'd go and get sweaty and gross and be able to just walk across the street and go home. Yeah. That was a fun time. Um, there, But there are great, you know, gay, quote unquote, gay bars in the city that are obviously like all different types. Like, you know, if you want to dance or certain ones, if you want to yeah, like, yeah. Uh, go for this or certain ones. So there, there are a lot, but that one's definitely sticks out in my mind as being like a fun time. There's actually a, a gay country Western bar in the city called flaming saddles. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's a good name where they do like the coyote ugly, like dance on the bars. Like, really? The, the, the male bartenders will get the up and do tantum joints. Yeah. yeah. They'll do like a country wow. line dance on the bar. And that is always just like a fun time to bring your friends. It's a great place to bring like straight people who want to go to a gay bar, but feel a little bit uncomfortable at a gay bar. It's a great kind it of, it is like, kind of uncomfortable. I'm not going to yeah, lie. No, I, I understand that. But at the, at the same time, I've been to countless st- "Quote unquote straight bars." That's true, and I don't ever feel like. Yeah, it's weird, right? Yeah, it's so weird to hear that, you know, because yeah. it's just like you know, coming from my one one. So I'm a bowler, right? Okay, okay. 
So one day, me and my cousin are, are there on a Saturday. We're just practicing bowling. And it just so happens we're there practicing on a day that there's a, a, a gay yeah. LGBTQ bowling tournament. Right. And we didn't realize what was going on. And like, I remember just like looking around and like, there's, there's a couple guys watching us bowling. Oh my God, whatever. They're just watching us bowling. But then we go in the bathroom and like four dudes go in the same stall together. Like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I felt kind of like, like what's going on here? Everybody's, you know, having a, having a grand old time. But then I saw like a bunch of gift baskets everywhere. You know, like they were all like uh -huh. doing raffles and stuff. Uh -huh. Like, oh, it makes sense. All uh -huh. right, it's cool. It's just, it's different. Like when you don't realize. Yeah, no, yeah. It was, it kind of, you feel uncomfortable, but you don't at the same time. Well, I think it, part of it is like if, if you're not used to it, right? Like if, I'm not at then, all, Then it's gonna, it's gonna pull your attention. It's you a know? polarizing event for it's sure. It's the same thing if you, if you go to bowling and there's a, there's a whole lane of people with bright green hair you're gonna look at them. What you're the gonna, fuck's you're going gonna, on? you're gonna say something in is out of my ordinary. It's out of here. the norm, right? Yeah, and it's gonna pull your attention. But if you are always in a place where there was a sporadic it's mix normal. of people with green hair, to see them is not different. Exactly. But when it, when it kind of throws you for a like you're not expecting it, throws like, you for a loop for sure. It definitely is will stick out, and you're gonna. Be like, what the fuck's going on? It was kind of funny. It's yeah. like the, the the thing about gay people that I realize is they're so happy and so like you know joyous, if you will. Well, because what happens is when you're around other gay people, especially like in that setting, right? So like it's other people who are gay who are like bowling. Like you know, you're with your little group of people who yes. are in the same interest as you. It's when you can fully be yourself. So as yeah. gay people, you know, we've gone through so many years, most of us, of not being able to be yourself. So when you can yeah. be yourself, I think people pick up on that. You know, yes. it's like you can feel that like energy coming from others where you can, can sense that someone is like being their authentic self. Of course. Yeah, you know, of course. There's this notion of like um, gay uh, puberty, right? So it's like everyone goes through puberty when they're teenagers, right? But as gay people, when you come out and you're able to be yourself for the first time, you kind of go through puberty again, where you're like yeah. trying to understand it all. It doesn't make sense. Like Things a second are, coming. Yeah. It's it's yeah. so like we all as gay people, we go through like kind of like two sets of puberty. One is like your hormonal puberty, and one is your like you can finally be yourself puberty. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. That's pretty pretty bizarre. <laughs> Definitely sounds like a very difficult uh, time to be alive. I mean, it's it's not. It's been worse. I hopefully it's getting better. Yeah. Um. I think like instances like this, being able to explain or talk about my own personal experiences, I think could help shed light on it. Yeah, to a lot of people. So I think the more chances where you have to expose yourself to gay people or their upbringing, their thoughts, their feelings, I think yeah. it only helps you change your mind and uh, hopefully other people's minds. Yeah, yeah. I think like we were saying the amount <clears throat> of exposure to the community has definitely increased which the more that you see someone who's gay that you can connect with and yeah. feel you understand where they're coming from, the more that you accept them, the more that it becomes second nature and then it doesn't become different. Like the idea yeah. is that Gay people all want to be happy, 
straight people all want to be happy. We all are. We all want to be happy in the end, right? So, yeah. Whatever we can do to show our straight family members and our straight friends and everyone else that we're all like we're all going towards the same goal here. You know, yeah, of we course. all want to live our own lives. We all want to be mind our own business, be happy, be be like you know functioning members of society. I think is is the end goal of it all. So it's like whatever we can do to kind of like all get towards that same acceptance of one another. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds cheesy to say like, just like mind your own fucking business, love one another, not be cheesy, a nice yeah. person. I get it. Be a good person, period. Yeah. Whether you're gay, straight, trans, otherwise, like just yeah, be a, be a good person. No, totally. We touched on it earlier, but in the 90s, AIDS was like a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Huge, huge. Mm-hmm. And it was a big threat to the gay community. You know, do you recall like all that media coverage and did it frighten you? Like when you were in the midst of it? I actually mostly remember hearing about HIV and AIDS through characters on dramas that my mother watched, right? So like I would watch TV with her at night. The Guiding Light. Yeah, like, you know, she'd watch like Falcon Crest and all those kinds of shows. And I remember, I don't remember what show it was, but there was a character that was a, a gay, maybe it was like Melrose Place, a gay man who had HIV. And I remember connecting that with like, you know, when you're a little kid and the news is on and you kind of hear things in the background, like kind of connecting that with like the AIDS crisis and being like, oh fuck, like this really is going to be, it's scary as a kid. Like, you know, at the, sure. especially at the time as an, as even for an adult, before we knew all the specifics of, of HIV and AIDS, like you didn't know what was causing it how to fix it, how to fight it, how to prevent it. It was all foreign, yeah. You know, like to even touch a person that had HIV at the time was like unheard of, you know? Yeah. And obviously now we know the ways that you can contract it and the ways that you can deal with it if you have HIV. But at the time it was scary. And I remember thinking like, I don't want to die like that. So it becomes like, maybe I can. I mean, I went through a, a little period of my life where I thought I can be straight. I can pretend enough I will be happy enough to marry a woman, have kids, and I'll deal with it. Yeah, yeah. And then you realize at some point that that is not sustainable. Like, that's not yourself. You're not going to be happy. But I remember a point being like, I don't want to die early. Like, I will, I'll, I'll put up with it to be straight and not have to worry about that fear of like dying young. And I think, like I was saying before, I think that's why our parents' generation, their friends like the, or their age range was dying of, of HIV and AIDS in the 80s and the early 90s. And I think their fear of like what caused it and the community having that this disease is why they didn't want their kids to be gay. Because not only are you then have to deal have to deal with like um, prejudice, you have to deal with like the fear of dying of HIV. You have to of deal course, with all these yeah. things. So I think that kind of fed into their feeling, which then that feeds into gay people's wanting to come out at that time. Because, yeah, you know, if I was to say to my mother in the early 90s when I was, when I first was feeling these things of like something on the right, if I was to say to her, mom, I think I'm gay in the early 90s, when she's watching on TV, gay people are dying by like the truckloads in her mind, she's going to say, I don't want this for my child. Yeah. You know, like that, I can't imagine what that would have been like. 
Yeah, you true. know, because at that time we didn't know what was causing it. We didn't know all these things that we know now. So that the fear and and the, I mean, I can't imagine if I was a little bit older as a gay male and ha- having been gay in the early '80s when all of your friends are dying and you don't know why you don't know how to stop it. You don't know what's causing it, yeah. but they're just getting sick and dying around you. Like I can't imagine what that must've been like. I was in this weird timeline where I was right after that. Like I was too young, you know, to really experience that, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I can't imagine yeah. what that was like. Like imagine if you had 10 gay best friends, 10 friends that are your best friends and eight of them die. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. It's insane. Yeah. There's um scary. There's a, you know, a gay men's choruses, like you've heard of them. Like they're a group of gay men, they get together and they sing songs and they put on concerts and they're all over the country, different chapters and, and different organizations. In San Francisco, I believe, they, during the 80s, lost like 97% of their group. To 97? Eight. So they do the thing where they- That's absurd. It's insane. So they do a thing where they, um, wow. they perform, I think Holy every year- shit. And what they do is they have like, you know, let's say there's 50 men on stage who are singing and everyone's wearing black. They have four people who are wearing white. And that is to show you during that time of the AIDS crisis, how many people died of AIDS. So everyone that was wearing black died that year. And the four people that are wearing white were the people that like were able to survive. Wow. It's insane. When you see it in front of you like that is- That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty scary stuff. Yeah. yeah, holy fucking shit. So I, I I'm not hip to uh, gay lingo because mm-hmm. I know I can <laughs> I come to believe there is a lot of gay lingo. Well, I told you tonight, gay pores. Yes, gay pores. And I was talking to my friend that I told you the one that I uh, that came out to me the 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 one and only person that uh-huh. I know that personally came out uh-huh. to me. So I reconnected with him. I was talking to him recently, and he said a couple of things. As soon as he said them to me, I knew they were gay lingo, but I didn't. He said, "I'm not, I'm not a twink anymore. I'm oh, okay. more of a bear now." Okay. So I had to Google it because I knew automatically. I'm like, he's telling me some gay lingo that I don't really know about. So I was looking it up. Is there anything? Is there any other gay lingo you could put me on to right oh, now? God, there's so many. Is there that oh, many? Oh my god. Really? Okay. So, so a twink is what like like a like a like a like an immature little like a young skinny, skinny usually hairless and a bear is like a masculine gay dude. Well, okay, so let's we'll run the we'll go from twink up. So twink is like skinny, younger, hairless, normally uh, gay man. Okay. okay. Then the next one up is probably an otter. 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 <laughs> okay. So that's a skinny, hairy gay man. Okay. This is funny to me. I'm sorry. Then you get to Cub, which is like a little chubbier, hairy gay man. Okay. And then a bear is like an older, hairy gay man. Really? So like I think of myself now as a bear because okay. I'm That's what my friend said to me. He, he's like, I'm more of a bear now. Yeah. I've, you know, packed on some pounds. I have a beard and body hair. So I think of I'm more like in the in the bear. But now you have twonks. What the fuck okay. is a twonk? So a twonk is a a twink. Why? And like a hunk. So like you're a muscly twink. Okay, that's a little ridiculous. Uh, oh, you it gets worse. You don't agree? There are. There's a wolf, which is basically if you're like a 
a like a gray haired, hairy, but not like a not like a, a well a, like me, <laughs> not like a bulkier guy to be like a bear, but you're like a more slender, athletic guy. But you have like grays. You're gray like hair. in the in the wolf. Yeah, okay. I'd say you would probably be <laughs> if I, if I could be so bold. Um, you're not a you're not a bear. I'd say you're more in like a you're not a twunk either. You're like a muscle cub. Muscle cub. See? Interesting. <laughs> you learn something every day. Because you because you were like you work out, so you're like okay. a little more muscly. You have a beard, so you kind of fall into the hairy category. Okay. Um, and you have some grays. A muscle cub. Muscle cub. Yeah. Interesting. Don't Google that because you'll see things you don't want to see. <laughs> Bunch of shroom caps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then in, you imagine so that's just the gay men. Then there is like a whole lesbian. Really? Oh yeah, they have their own terminology. So like we're, it's it's hard. What's what's disheartening is that we, as a community, we don't want to be labeled as things. Yet all okay. we do is label ourselves into these stupid categories of twink and twunk and this and that. And, and you're not a fan of that. I mean, I think in general, nobody is, but at the same time, you want to feel like you're a part of like a little pocket of the community. I understand. So it's like okay. a struggle between okay. like, you don't want any labels, but at the same time, you want to be able to say like, okay, well, I'm this, like these other people, so we're all going to get along. Okay. I think the problem is that, not to make this like into the, the community, there's a lot of uh, issues within the community where- Bears are looked down upon because they're overweight, or twinks are looked down upon because they're too young, or this or that, or and it's so stupid because it's a little you, too much. And also, Relax. you think like we already have our own issues dealing with people not within the community. You're just adding. Why more. are we fighting within people within the community? Like that just seems sounds stupid. a little ridiculous. It sounds, yeah. But there's also polar bears and there's panda bears. <laughs> what? And there's a. Lot. See, I didn't know, but but I knew when he said those two words to me, I was like, all right, those are gay terminology, gay terminology. And then just to give everyone, all the listeners, uh, a gay poor, which Al and I were talking about before, is in the the community, there's the sense of we are a little generous with our alcohol. So when you're making somebody a drink and you fill, you know, you fill a cup like halfway up with vodka or whatever alcohol. Generous. That's a gay poor. You know, it's it's more than you would get at a. I like so the idea is if you go to a straight bar or you go to a gay bar, a straight bar they're going to be more stingy with the alcohol. Maybe they're using a jigger. They're kind of like measuring more exact the amount. Interesting. A gay a gay bar will fill that entire thing with with vodka and put a spritz of seltzer on the top, and here's your vodka seltzer. You learn something every day. So gay bars will get you fucked up. Yeah. So you go, you go to Feathers. You go to Feathers. Again, Liddy. And Hackensack. <laughs> so I wanted to bring an interesting topic to you. I'm a heavy thinker. Okay. I think a lot, all the time, all the time. And I just think of scenarios and just, just things that don't really concern me. Just I like, to, I, like to in, I like to read people. I like to think of possibilities, just, just you know, all sort of mental, mental health and you know, just to think of stuff. So I wanted to know your opinion on this. Okay. And in no way do I mean this in disrespect to your community. I just wanted to think of it. So obviously the general uh, public that is gay is born gay. That's mm-hmm. obvious, right? But I always entertain the idea of, is there a possibility that there are people in the community that have dealt with such going back to childhood traumas, mm-hmm. 
that have been through such traumatic traumatic uh, situations in their childhood that it could turn them the opposite way to become gay. And what I mean by that is this. Let's say you're a female. You're growing up, broken home, and you have a mother. That's your mother. And you see her dating men after men, and they're beating on her and mistreating her and, you know, the whole nine. That it could possibly turn that girl away from the opposite sex because of her seeing that the 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 person that is her, mm-hmm. a woman, going through such traumatic events that it could turn her away from the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Do you do you believe that that might possibly be a thing? I think there could be in that like specific scenario or like similar ones. I think there could be a like a traumatic reaction to men. Where it could turn you off from the opposite yes. sex. Like, uh, I think that that for sure. Um, it's not a defining moment. No. I'm just, it's, just a, it's just a speculative thing that I have. But I do think that in order to be like gay, to have feelings for members of the same sex or a bisexual person has feelings for both genders or all genders, I feel that is how you're born. And I feel like there's nothing that is going to sway you one way or another. Um, I think there could be things, like you said, like in your childhood that could defer you from something or maybe give you apprehension. But I don't think there's anything that's going to like switch something in your brain that's like, okay, this is not how I feel. Um, But I think think every LGBTQ person is born that way. I think they may not understand exactly what they feel to later okay. in life. Okay. I think there are people who are bisexual that later realize that they are actually gay or lesbian. I think vice versa. There may be as people who yeah. think they're gay or lesbian and later realize, okay, maybe I'm bisexual or pansexual. Of course, yeah. Um, but I think you're born that way. Okay. Yeah. It was just something I always thought yeah. about. I'm like, I always thought that like certain things, like people could grow up in certain environments that could deter them away from a certain I think so, lane. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that it's the general consensus, yeah, but that it, it like for certain cases that I thought that maybe that was a possibility. So I just wanted to know your opinion on that. <clears throat> I also have another question. Oh boy. So LGBTQ, right? Yeah. L stands for what? Lesbian. Okay. G stands for what? Gay. Q stands for what? Queer. Isn't that all the same thing? No. Um. Why? <laughs> There are a lot of people who do not feel comfortable with the term queer. So, okay, let's rewind. It's very confusing yeah. for me. It sounds like the same thing to me. So, going back, bisexual is different. Yeah. So, going well, okay. There's not to get too like into the nitty gritty of it all, but going back, let's say decades ago, if you heard LGBTQ, LGBTQ, the Q stood for questioning. Okay. Really. So back in the day, it was the sense of like. You don't know where you fall, but you don't, you're not heterosexual. So you identify as part of the community. You're not sure if you're gay. You're not sure if you're a lesbian. You're not sure if you're a bisexual, but you don't, you know that you're not fully heterosexual. So that's what the Q used to stand for. Um, It's changed over the last, I'd say, six or seven years to now mean queer. the problem with the term queer, or not the problem, but the issue with the, the term queer is that there is a negative connotation to it for some people. So for some people, especially in older generations, so let's say people who are like late 40s, 50s and above, 
to be called a queer was negative. That was like being called a faggot. If you're you're yeah. a queer, it was it was a bad term. Of course. Um so for them, they don't like that term being included at all. They don't want to be called that. They don't want to be a part of the community with that. They don't like that term being like in our little acronym of initial uh, of letters. But for other people in the community, for a younger generation, for myself, for people who are like, especially younger kids now, queer is this kind of nebulous sexual and gender um you're a part of the community. You don't really fall into any of those letters, but you know that you're a part of it. And it just becomes this kind of like um, okay. all-inclusive thing. So you can be, I like I, I myself identify as a gay man, but I also identify as a queer man. So that means that like, I I identify the fact that like I don't think gender is a male or female. I do agree that it's some kind of, nebulous thing and let's say if like gender is a a one is a female and 10 is a male i think that there most people fall in the one in the two to nine and the same thing with with sexuality i don't personally feel that there are a hundred percent straight people and a hundred percent gay people i feel like most of the population falls somewhere in the middle okay To, to feel to be so binary to be so one or the other just seems um, not realistic because, okay. you know, um, a, a straight man could be completely straight like women. Like myself. Like yeah. yourself. But let's say you're watching football and you're a sports fan and you see your favorite quarterback and you're like, that is an attractive man. Okay. Okay. You don't want to have sex with that guy, but you can identify that that person is an attractive man. Absolutely. So to me, that means that you are not a hundred percent. You straight. are two instead of one. You're a ninety-eight percent or whatever instead yeah. of a hundred. Okay, I so understand. To me, that. it's like by being able to identify those things and feel those things, you you acknowledge that it's not a hundred percent one or the other. Okay, you're going to be somewhere in the middle. I guess you, you could be as far to the one side or the other, or you could be smack in the middle and feel like everybody you're attracted to, or you understand that. So to me, that's where I feel. So that's where the kind of the cue comes in. Now there's also I, which is intersex. There's a See, now it gets a little which crazy is asexual, to me. and so there's this lots and crazy. lots and lots. So I think that's why nowadays a lot of people do LGBTQ plus, and the plus is meant to kind of include all those other people who feel like they are part of the community. And again, I think part of the community comes down to others, right? People that don't fit into what society is expecting of you. They don't fit into the binary. They don't fit into 100% heterosexuality. They don't fit into 100% male or female. And you're kind of in this like other. So you become a part of the community. And again, going back to what I was saying before, there are a lot of us who feel like all of those people are welcome. You're all a part of us. We're going to figure this out together. I'm on your side. You're on my side. But there are some people in the community who feel like it should only be lesbian women, gay men, and bisexual men and women. And anyone that's trans or non-binary or questioning or doesn't know where they fit, they have no part. They have no point to be in our community. Yeah. They shouldn't be. Right. Where like I personally don't feel that way. Um, I kind of lean towards don't. the other way. Yeah. Um, personally, respectfully, obviously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't feel like on a, a, a you know an honest question. Mm-hmm. You don't feel like some of this falls into a fantasy realm 
where it's kind of like people are being too opportunistic and taking advantage of that realm. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's more just acceptance. Okay. Um, in the sense of like, it's a safe space, right? So okay. in the community, if, if you're in the mindset of like being open to all these different, whatever it may yeah. be, being a part of the community, I feel like um, if you are one of those people who are don't know where you belong, I feel like that's where you kind of fit into that kind of nebulous other part of it all. There's very clear lesbian, gay, bisexual, and then yeah. I think the rest is kind of like, so that's where I kind of like get a toss up mentally yeah. where I'm like, this kind of falls into a fantasy realm where it's like people are just taking advantage of, of the opportunity. That doesn't mean I'm right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be a trans man. Or, because you're not that. Right. So, but I can't, like, I know what it was like every day to to feel like I was not my, yeah. being able to be myself and like we were talking about before, but can you imagine waking up every day and looking in the mirror and feeling like, this body, this gender that I'm seeing is not what I feel inside. Just like I felt as a gay man, but I was like projected as being like a straight man. Yes, yes and no, both. Yeah, I, I think it's hard for us because we don't know what it's like being yeah. someone who's gender identity That's why I can't fully not. like tell you yeah. no. I don't, and I don't know either. Like it's one of those yeah. things that like I don't know that experience. I know trans people. I know people who are gender non-binary. I don't know what it's like in their shoes. I don't know what they go through. I I can only look at it from my own perspectives as being like an outsider and of course yeah you know, of course so. of course I just feel like the, the people are in such a crazy confused mental state at this time of life where there's just like a general consensus of people just fucking batshit crazy. <laughs> well, have you have you seen online or heard the kind of like uh, left-handed kind of explanation of like trans and and non-binary? Not too much, to be honest with you. I kind of stay steer away from that those type of okay. topics. So to explain a little bit, it's like people say like, okay, well, are there more trans people now because it's like a cool thing or um, it's more accepted? I would say yes. Okay, so here's the kind of like counterpoint to that. So in the, I think it was in the early 1960s, right? If you look at a graph, the amount of left-handedness is low. So it's like, let's say 10% left-handed, right? All of a sudden in like the 1960s, it jumps up to 80%. Okay. And then levels off again. And the reason why is because in the 1950s and beyond and earlier, you were not allowed, you were not allowed, but it was frowned upon to be left-handed. It was seen as evil. It was seen as like the devil's. Isn't that hand. crazy? It's crazy. What happened was that like in the 1960s, it became more accepted to be left-handed. You were, it was seen as just like that's how your body is. Reacting, you can yeah. use your left hand, right hand. So the numbers jump up, not because it was cool or people were forced to, but because people were allowed to be left-handed. Interesting. They were always left-handed, but now it was okay to be left-handed. So the numbers jump up all of a sudden out of nowhere. Interesting. And it's the example is that it's the same thing with trans and non-binary, is that they've always been there. It's just that they were never allowed to be there. They were never able to be open about it. They were never able huh. to be ex accepted. So once you lift that kind of oppression and you could say like, it's okay to be trans. It's okay to be not feel like you're a male or a female. You're in the middle somewhere. It's not that it's now that it's cool, the numbers have rise. It's just that now that it's accepted, you're able to be open about it. So the yeah, numbers yeah. increase, not because it's like, 
people are pretending or doing it because it's like a fad. It's because you're finally able to like be open about it. I understand. You know what I mean? So that's it's kind of like that's the the comparison for people okay. to like wrap their mind around it is the sense of like it's not like all of a sudden there was more left-handed people because it was like cool. Yeah. It was just that you were able to finally be like, yeah, I'm fucking left-handed. Stop yeah, making yeah. me right with my right hand. You know, so that's kind of the comparison. So oh, I okay. personally don't think that it's like trans or non-binary or gender fluid is like a cool thing now. I think those people have always been there, but now they have the opportunity to finally be open about it. Okay, I gotcha. The only standpoint that I come from with that stuff, and I'll, I'm not going to go into it deep. Yeah. It's just that there's there, there's certain things, like I said, this is just open conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's fact and fiction. Mm-hmm. There's male and female, and that is it. That's kind of the standpoint I come from. Okay. That's all. So it's kind of hard for me to grasp any sort of ideology outside of that realm because there is fact, there's fiction, and, and biology kind of points to there's male and there's female. You could think what you want, but it's kind of hard to like materialize it in a way that, that a lot of these people from those communities kind of like, you know, so it's kind of hard for me to understand. I'm not saying that I'm not open to the conversation. Yeah. It's just tough for me to grasp because I know there's certain things that are fact and fiction, which is why I don't really align with religion. Yeah. So solid. Yeah. Because nobody has a hundred percent proof of anything in the Bible took place. Oh no, absolutely not. So that's why I don't, I'm not, I don't really consider myself religious anymore. Yeah. Because of those reasons. Yeah. But what I do know is that there is male and there's female that goes chromosomes. And there's whole, you know, the whole thing. So that's the only reason why I come from where I come from. It doesn't mean I'm opposed to listening or thinking. It's just, that's the reason why I'm just explaining to you why yeah, no, I come I, from where I, I come understand from. That. And I think um, it gets too confusing. I think it, it just gets, gets too, too much of a web. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? It does get confusing. And I feel, I feel like also, you know, the two of Respectfully, us. Respectfully, of course, to anybody yeah, yeah. listening. And the two of us, like we don't know what it's like to be in. I will never know. Yeah. Right. So I think it's, it's best to have those people who experience that speak directly to that. But I mean, my one counterpoint to what you said is like that there are scientifically people that fall in between like the us, uh, like quote unquote, like female chromosomes uh-huh. and male. So there are people. Wait, you're talking about like hermaphrodites? Yeah. So like intersex people. Well, that's, to me, that's totally different. But those people, intersex people, they, you know, could present as a female externally, but have- Oh, 100%. So there's like- But they're a special case, don't you think? I don't think so. I mean, there's, it's definitely like a huge part of the the community um, that like falls in there. I think it's as common as being redheaded. Okay. Um, I think it's obviously like a secret thing. And also a lot of those people, it's like internal um, like organs that they may not even know. So like I could be an intersex person and not know it because it's like, there could be a part of my internal- Body that is okay. more female than male, so like I think there's some things like that. Um, so there, that is like a whole separate thing. But I, I, I feel it's very complicated. It's very complicated. 
That's yeah. why I don't like to talk about it too yeah. much. Cause I, <laughs> since I'm not so well versed on it, like I have my opinions, but my opinions could only stand so much ground. I agree. And I think when you get into the gender side of the community, it's like a whole separate thing. Yeah. It gets very confused. It's very, I don't, I, I particularly don't like to participate in it because it's too confusing. Yeah. And and again, like I think the best people to talk to it are people that are in that part of the yeah, game. Yeah. Totally. I'm just a gay man. Totally. Yeah. A gay bear. No, I get it. Yeah, a bear. With my gay porn. Listen, I learned a lot of stuff tonight. I'm really appreciative of uh, the knowledge that I gained. Yeah. But before I wrap this up, excuse me, I have tons of gas in my uh, stomach. Right. right. I want to bring up an important person in your life. Oh. Yeah. Uh, we briefly touched on this person earlier, but I really want to dive in now. Um, your grandmother, uh-huh. the late Carmela Cassidy. Yeah. AKA Nona, how instrumental was she to your journey through life? And what did she mean to you? Oh man. I mean, what didn't she mean to me? She's, she was the strongest woman like I've ever met in my life. Like if you strongest, Oh God. Like if you, the woman had more, I mean, physically in terms of like, the woman had more strokes and heart attacks, and it, it, it's astronomical. It's the amount that it's she insane. had, and to still, you know, like persevere. She she went through phases where she had a cane, then she had a one of those like four prong canes, then a walker, then back to it. Like that woman would not call it quits. She would not give up. No, I mean, down to during the pandemic, like Steve and I went down to visit my aunt and uncle and Nona for like weeks at a time. The woman had her leg amputated from above the knee, um, you know, and then still would get on a walker and dr- and walk around that house yeah. and that backyard and do her 10 laps a day and would, was very um, independent. So I remember there was one day we were down there and like she had had breakfast for cereal, uh, a cereal for breakfast. Steve and I were in the kitchen and Steve, you know, just being like polite, went over to get her bowl and like put in the dishwasher. And she just slapped his hand away and said, I can do it myself. And she pulled her wheelchair over to the dishwasher, pulled the dishwasher down, put her bowl in, closed it up. She did not want people to help her, which I think was also to her detriment sometimes because she thought she could do things that she necessarily couldn't. But I think that drive of like, I can do it, I'm going to do it. I mean, I I can't imagine being in her situation where you have one leg and still getting yourself yeah. up and around every day to yeah. just like get stronger. And she, I mean, we made, we made homemade pasta one day and I'm, I was not doing it right. Right. So like in typical Nona fashion, she wheels her wheelchair over. She doesn't have her prosthetic leg on. So she has like, you know, just her, her missing leg. She pulls herself up on the counter, holds herself up by her elbows and grabs the dough and starts like teeter, like now she's basically balancing on one leg while she's like kneading the dough because I was unbelievable because I wasn't doing it right, right? So that's like the strength of this woman, right? But not only that, um, her husband died when she was very young, like of a, a heart attack. Well, before that, Nonarocco died. Yeah. Like you know, when she was very young, my my dad was a small kid. My uncle Vinny was like a young teenager. Then like later on, she got remarried to her husband Bill. He passed away. And just like that, like constantly just like nothing ever like set her back. She just kept going, kept going, kept going. And I think it was a love for her family, a love for just wanting to like 
be a strong woman. <laughs> I miss her, man. Yeah. Leaving Italy, coming to America, like all these things are insane. I think for my own personal story, like being so accepting of me and Steve, like having her at my wedding, dancing with us, like yeah. on the dance floor, having a great old time, being so loving and accepting of us, I think was like nothing. I could have, I could not have asked for anything better, you know? Um, I definitely miss her. I think about her all the time. I mean, I was lucky enough that I was able to, she, she gave me her, her pasta maker. Um, oh, did she? Yeah. So like Steve and I still make homemade pasta. Using you make pretzels or what? Oh, I have my own, I have my own pizzel maker, but I you make pretzels. Oh, I make, well, cause she gave me her recipe, right? So she's like, oh, this is my recipe for pizzel. That shit makes like 200 pizzels. Oh yeah. Because she used it. to make like trays of them. You gotta send me out. a tray. I will bring them Send over. I'll bring them over. But so I've learned her pizzelle. So I think, I think, you know, she was so instrumental to me and in not only being a good person, but being like a strong person. Um, I think she, you know, has like passed that on to everyone in our family. I, uh, yeah, I can't believe she's gone. Like even still, like to this day, there are times when I want, when I do something fun or I make something um, that she like showed me how to make it. I my first instinct is like I want to call her and tell yeah. her I want to, you know, do this. So I, it's 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 been it's been definitely hard without her being here. I'm so thankful that during the pandemic, Steve and I did have time. You know, while the world was shut down and we were all working remotely, to go down and spend an extended period of time with her. Um, you know, getting to like wake up every day and like have breakfast with her, take her for breakfast, hang out during the yeah. day, have dinners. Um, hear her tell these like insane stories of like Nazis and during the war, and then like also just like coming back to a, like coming to America for the first time. And I think towards the end of her life, like I remember her saying to Steve and I that she like wasn't afraid to die. She had times when she would, would kind of like call out to our Nona Rocco or or to her parents and say like you know I'm ready, like take me all stuff, but. I think for her, she was always sad to kind of like know that she was going to leave us soon, but she wasn't afraid of it, which I hope that when I'm at that point in my life, like I'll have that, that kind of thinking and that knowledge of like, it's going to be okay. It's bittersweet, man. Yeah, it really is. I mean, she lived a long life and she had a lot of health issues. There were so many times in my life where, you know, you were kind of told like, she's not going to make it through this. Yeah. And the, she kept going. I mean, she was, nothing was going to like. I wish I got to see her in Florida, man. You know, yeah. but like when she went over there, I had, I bought this house. Yeah. I had the kid. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was hard That's for me, okay. man. I, I, I wish I got to see her, you know. It really oh, she loved me. you, yeah. We had such a great time. My mother kids. loved her. She loved my mother, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. My mother used to sneak her fucking cigarettes all oh, the time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because she loved cigarettes, Carmela. Yeah. No, no, love cigarettes. Yeah. My, my mother used to smoke Salem Slim Lights 100s. Mm-hmm. And she used to sneak them to her all the time. Oh, I remember. I hope they're in heaven right now smoking them both. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they are. It's, it's really a shame, you know. Uh, I loved Karma. She wasn't my actual grandmother, but, you know, I loved her like one, like, yeah. you know, tomorrow. And I didn't get to see her. And, you know, you know, I don't know if I could have handled seeing her. Yeah. I think, I mean, like the picture you were showing me before, the, that last like Christmas Eve we all had together here in this house, I think like that was kind of like a good time to kind of, yeah. you know, see her. She was she was kind of like living her best life then. But I mean, she she kept going. She was great. Like, and I think, 
if like her health didn't fail her in the end, she'd still be going now. You know, yeah. she's she was amazing. And I love that um my sister's uh daughter, Kaylee, who's my niece, uh, she's seven, she got to have some time with her too. And I she wish remembers. my son did. Yeah, I, I wish too. So I didn't uh, Kaylee calls it sad. they made like bread together one time in, in Florida. So Kaylee calls it Nona bread. So she's like, Can we make Nona bread? And I'm like, Okay, we're gonna make Nona bread. Like it's the most basic. <laughs> it's like flour and, and like eggs, you know. Yeah. But the fact that it's in her mind and she yeah. knows and she'll have these memories. I know and, she was important to you, man. Yeah. No, I I loved her so much, and it, it's hard to know that she's gone. But yeah. you know, it's it's weird because me growing up, right? I had two grandparents, and um, well, my grandfather, my 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 father's dad, Rocco, died when I was one, so I don't even know who he is, mm-hmm. really, right? My grandmother was alive until a couple of years ago. And then, you know, I had a grandfather and grandfather, my Puerto Rican side, my mother's side. And my grandfather died some years back. So I only have one grandparent left. But I, I never I never had that connection with my grandparents like most kids do. Right. I don't know why. You know how like I, I see how you were with, with Carmela, with Nona. And, and you had such a tight knit. You know, for me, my tight knit was my mom. Yeah, and I don't know why, but I never like the most kids have this like real strong bond with their grandparents. I loved them, but I never had that like. Yeah, you know, I I don't know what it was. So it's interesting to watch and see because my son has it with my dad. Yeah, he loves his his, his no no. Yeah, my my son loves <laughs> his no no, and I just I never had that. You know, it was my mom. Like my mom was my like my all seeing eye. Yeah. The, the whole nine. So it's cool. That's why I just wanted to talk about your Nona and what she meant to you because yeah. I, I could tell she was an instrumental part of you growing up and just your life in general. And she was the kind of woman that like you didn't want to fuck with. Oh, she no. was the best, man. You know, the she full the like, uh, she'd take her, her slipper off if you did something All wrong. day, smack you. Yeah, uh, she was a fantastic cook. Yeah. Um, but I think really it was, it was like just I, later in life. It was seeing her with Steve that really kind of like, like made my heart so happy. Yeah. Like to see them together because they're That's like great. the two most important people in my life. Like in addition to like my mom and my dad, whatever, and my sister. But like they are like top tier, and to see them together getting along. That's beautiful, man. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And and again, like I I do try to kind of like live my life as she would. Like what it's always kind of like what would Nona do? You know, like she's a Badass bitch. She's loving. She's kind. She's accepting. She's like kind of the best of everybody. She so was the best be that person. Yeah. So any any chance that I can to kind of like, uh, like lift her up or or live my life like she would is kind of like what I'm yeah. always going towards. So she's great. But um, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Like I like you were saying before. Like on my mom's side. Uh, my grandmother was around till I was in maybe like freshman or sophomore year in high school, and I loved your mother's her. mom. Yeah, Anna. Um, she lived in Dumont, so like you know near us. So I grew up with her. I saw her more often than I saw Nona, but like she didn't have that same kind of that feeling. Yeah, I loved her. She's my grandmother. We I saw her every holiday. I think my cousin Tina on my mom's side had the relationship with my grandmother. My mom said like, I you had did. with Nona. Okay. And it's just kind of like, you know, you maybe you kind of gravitate towards It's certain- like me. I, I didn't really have that with my grandparents. Yeah. I, I did love my grandfather a lot. I, I didn't, my dad's dad, I didn't know. He died when I was one. Yeah. 
but my mom's dad, I did, I did yeah. love him a lot. And, and like my, his mom's, I mean, her mom's still alive, but uh, shout out to Anna. <laughs> I got to see her soon, man. I got to call her. I'm very bad with that. You got to do it. I'm bad. I'm so busy lately. It's just, you know, I'm just, it's not an excuse, but it's just, it's so tough. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I gotta, I gotta find a way. I gotta bring my son over there. Yeah. I'll do it this weekend. I'll do that. Um, once, once Carmela moved to Florida, right? I didn't, it kills me that I didn't get to see her, but I already told you before, like it was tough because I yeah. had my kid at the same time yeah. house. Um, but when I was researching for this podcast, I came across your YouTube channel <laughs> and I found that video of your Nana. Yeah. And it destroyed me because um, I never saw her with, with her amputated leg. Yeah. But it was a good destroy. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a destroy where I was upset. It was, it was happy tears. Yeah. And thank you for capturing those moments because I didn't get to be there. Yeah. Well, thanks, Steve. He's like my uh, historian when it comes to pictures and videos. But we, to his credit, when we were down there and able to spend time with them, he would say, like, no, no, show us how to make pasta. And he would set up his phone on the tripod and we would record the entire thing. Really? And then he would edit it down and like take out all the, all the, wow. you know, the, the kind of like downtime. But he was the best in, in recognizing that like these are the moments we need to like, preserve you know like who knows the next time we're gonna get to see her so we shot tiktoks where we would take her to breakfast and she'd be chasing us around in her wow. wheelchair wow. um we have all these videos of her cooking with us and it's funny now to when we're like unsure of a recipe we more often than not go back to the youtube videos and the videos of her showing us how to make something really because you have her there in for in perpetuity, forever showing us how to make something. You have yeah. her saying like, "Oh, put this, put that." The one of the funniest things <laughs> we made pizzas, and um, she has like a shot glass that she was like, "Okay, put anisette in that, put that in the in the dough." You know, I you know again being a gay, did a little gay pour. I did a, a two shots, two <laughs> well, shots, a hefty joint. Yeah, you know, two shots of anisette instead of one. So we make that. We make all the cookies. We give them to her to taste. She goes, "Oh, a lot of anisette." <laughs> Because <laughs> I put two times as much in, or you know, she's telling us, "Oh yeah, you know, sauce is so easy to make. You do this, you do that. You could put in any spice you want." She was the best. And dude. Steve's like, "Oh, oregano." She goes, "Oh no, oregano." <laughs> <laughs> so you could put anything you want, just not oregano, which I agree Solid with. Solid pimp. I agree with. Yeah, she bro. Is- she used to sign all. So my name, my my full name is Albert. <laughs> She used to sign all my Christmas cards, A-L-B, Alb. 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 Well, that was her, her, like, her signature was leaving off the half ends of words. Alb. Which I think has to do with like where she's Italians, from in Italy. But, general. Uh, sal- like salad basal or like, you know, Alb. Yeah. Alb. So funny. All Italians love to leave out the end of the word. Yeah, yeah. So you're Alb. And then uh, I, said, it's, it took me for a long time to realize when, for my cards- she would write V I N E because to her that's Vin Vinny. E, <laughs> but it's Vine. So for a while I was like, "Who's Vine?" Oh, it's Vin E. I bro, get you it. can't write that shit. No, no. But it was a guy at my dad's cafe he used to go. It's cold and it's cold outside. What happened? You got an old jock? Not jacket, jock. <laughs> exactly. Like what the hell? Jock. Oh my god. Yeah, you can't you can't write that shit, man. And Kaylee, uh, my niece, she my sister's daughter, she calls her Kayla Rosa. 
So, oh, Kayla Rose. Uh, her name is Kaylee. Kaylee God, Rose. God, rest, like, God rest Carmella Cassidy's yeah. soul, man. Yeah. She was a special woman. That cane was the best. Oh, yeah. She she took that everywhere she went. Yeah. And so she lived around the corner from where Albert lives now, and she would walk over to this house. I mean, granted, it's around the corner. It's like less than a block, but, but still, it did not matter. Rain, sleet, snow, she was there. ice. She's walking around the corner. You could hear that like click yep. of the cane and the, her little she shuffle. She was there, man. It's crazy, man. Yeah. So before we exit, I have one okay. question for you. Yeah. What is G-O-A-V? <laughs> okay. What does that stand for? What so, does it mean? This is so funny that you brought this up. So uh, <laughs> I had to. I yeah. couldn't. <laughs> it's 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 silly, but okay. So Steve's cousin lives in Virginia. Her name's Katie, and she has two girlfriends, Angeli and Lauren. So Steve and I became friends with these her his cousin and these two girls, like more than just family, like friends. Yeah. So we created this um, kind of like a back and forth program called the Great Old American Vacation. That's what it stands yeah. for. I've been waiting for that. So that's what GOEV stands for. So what happens is that once or twice a year, we go to Virginia, we stay with them, we drink, we go out to wineries, we go eat lots of food, whatever. And then they come to us in the New York area and do the same thing. So we go back and forth. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's the G O A V, which some people call Gove. They're like, what's Gove? And I'm like, no, it's G O A V. It's just like a silly thing that's like, you know. So you I kinda, said it correct. G O A V. You did it. You did it right. Um, but it's like our, our kind of like back. In, it's like a inner city program where we go back and forth and like hang out at their house. They hang out at our house. Back. You know. The videos I found were you lip syncing. Yeah. Like like show tunes yeah. stuff like that. So if you go to YouTube, um, for, to my account, there's us lip syncing "Let It Go" from Frozen in Times yes, Square. My son loves Frozen. Mm-hmm. It was we did it like right when Frozen first came out too. We kind of like my son loves it. He likes Frozen two for some reason. Oh, more. that one's a little weird. I don't know why. He like <laughs> play Frozen two, Daddy. Oh, he likes Frozen two. Oh. Um, he loves that, Elemental too. By the Elemental oh. is fan, dude. I, I, I cried like a yet. baby, dude. I haven't watched it yet, dude. Elemental is fantastic. Have you seen Inside Out? Yes, oh, he loves that Inside Out. Too, where like we emotions. have the books. Oh, okay. Riley is the girl's name. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. always, yeah. Um, but no, that's what that's what it is. So we, yeah, we sometimes we make videos. Last time they were here, they came to the city um, at, before we moved. So like in February, I think we did one of those rooms where you smash things. You know, like, yeah, it's fucking awesome. I have not edited the YouTube video yet, but we have a video of us like playing like '90s like. I, I gotta see it. Oh, it's so good. That when was I was so looking you fun. up, I found that. I said, what the fuck is GOAV? Yeah, everyone kind of wonders that. So it's our little back and forth thing. So they came to my wedding, those girls, um, you know, in full uh like fancy dress, like uh British uh fascinators in their hair, like you know, really kinda, awesome. Yeah, dug into the GOAV of it all. I had to ask. I yeah. had to know. There you go. Well, thank you for coming, Vinny. Yeah, I, I appreciate you me. allowing yourself to be vulnerable on my uh, on my platform. You know, and, and it was really nice to get to know you more than I've ever known you before. Yeah, it was great to have this conversation, and hopefully, it uh, changes your perspective on some things and your listeners' perspective on some things. And I'm the excited. whole point is just to be happy, right? So, always, yep. as long as everybody's happy, it's all that matters. Yep. Happiness. So you're not hurting anybody else. We all just want to be happy. Beautiful. Thank you for coming. I appreciate you. I love you. I love you too. Thank you.